What are you talking about on the air? This is valuable talk time. <laughs> this is valuable stuff. We can, yeah. We're just giving it away, giving it to the air. Yep. Whereas we should give it away, but like on the air. Time for Sneaky Dragon. Do you know where your children are? Yes, I do. Oh, do you? My name is That's David Dedrick, okay. and I know where my children are. All right, I'm Ian Boothby. I don't know where your children are. How do you know where your children are? Because you're like they're adults. You shouldn't uh, have low jacks. You, children. you are right. I should take off the low jacks, which I physically attached to them when they were quite a bit younger. Yeah, and are now permanently grafted to their legs. Uh, no, well, I'm okay. When I say that, I'm saying that assuming that they're following their regular s- schedule of life. Okay, very good. Speaking of lowjacking and such things, uh, if you had the option, I'm going to offer you both the powers of uh, a $6 million man okay. and the bionic woman who you don't say how much she's worth because you know what? It's like uh, it's crass to ask a lady yes. how much she's worth. Yeah, yeah. So how much are the parts? And like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Just call her the bionic woman. Sir. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so if you could have any of the, uh, but only one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like when I'm talking legs, you can get both legs. Yeah. Uh, but like you can have uh, an arm, you can have two legs, you can have the bionic eye, you can have the hearing. Uh, you get to pick one bionic power that is possessed by either of them. Which one do you choose? What do you want to be able to do? So we, so I can have two bionic legs. That's correct. One bionic arm. Because each bionic of them only has one bionic arm. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or, or a bionic ear or a bionic eye. So she has the bionic ear. Because mm-hmm. ladies like to eavesdrop. Mm-hmm. And he has he has a bionic eye because gentlemen like to ogle. Right. And they also, they move the plot along. <laughs> right? So you hear the information and you can just go, oh, that's great. You don't have to be a detective. You can just go, oh, I heard yeah. them say I'm going to kill the guy. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, go. Get so you get, you get your choice. Which one do you want uh, to have? Oh, well, you know, I was thinking bionic arm. Oh, okay. Because, you know, it's good for lifting things. Right. But also, having lately been walking up a lot of stairs and noticing it, mm-hmm. maybe the bionic legs. Going be, legs. Yeah. Maybe good too. But I think in the end, I'm going to go with, oh my gosh, Bionic Eye would be handy too, though. I'm just trying to think in like real life terms, not right, right. not in fantasy terms. Yeah, yeah, terms. yeah, life. Yeah. What do you want? I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Eye. Bionic Eye. Yeah. Wait, is it a good eye? It seems to me now that he saw like a red or something like that. Yeah, but he got to like see from far away. Yeah, or... I don't want to do that. That's not good. Like I want something that helps me like read. You I can don't... read with your red eye. I don't want to be reading a comic book that everything is like a red tint. Okay. Does it have to be red tinted? Can I have it like a clear? View? Yeah, you can have a better uh, eye, but like a really good eye that likes lets you see distances. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the eye. Okay, All right, go with the eye. Nice. What, which one are you gonna go with? Uh, I was gonna go for the eye as well, frankly. Um, why? What's the eye? Why? Why eye? Well, here's the problem. If you're if you're uh, if you got the legs, it's good to be able to run. But what happens if you trip? Or what happens if something goes yeah, wrong? Yeah. You fall, and now you're 60 miles an hour, and then you've fallen, <laughs> and you try to break your fall with your arms. It's not bionic. Your arms aren't bionic. Yeah, And you so it's like, that. ah! And yeah, it's yeah. just like it's a big mess, right? <laughs> yes. So do good with that. Uh, the arm, uh, I think you need the legs for the arm to work. I was going to say, like, if you're lifting things, you still need, like... What do you need is a bionic back if you have to lift stuff. Right. So like, I the assume, arm isn't just enough. I assume the arm connects to the spine, 
which connects yeah, to the legs, and that's how you can. Yeah, there's like a connective thing there yeah, that works you have all together. To. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, there's no way. Which is why both of them have two legs that are bionic. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, the arms go to hell. They don't work at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I. I think I is the thing to go. Yeah, you get to see some stuff. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. Uh, hearing is not bad. Hearing's not bad as well. But like, you look into space and see planets and stuff. That'd be fun. Get a like telescope eye. Maybe you got a microscope eye too. Maybe yeah. though I, he never did, but he should. That would have that should have been another part. Yeah. Would have been like looking down and like seeing like you know uh, DNA evidence or something. Sure. I was more for me. It was just not having to take my glasses on and off when I'm looking at a computer. Right. They redid the Bionic Woman. I don't know if it was all the same uh, bits with the new Bionic uh, Woman or not. That's right. They did do that. Yeah. Or if she had a Bionic Dog. Because there was a Bionic Dog, but I don't know what powers he had. Hearing, I think, though, you know, I mean, that's close to Newcastle, right? He had a Bionic Tongue. Did he? I don't know. I knew he was scared of fire. He had Bionic Taste. The problem The problem with the, the earring thing is like, uh, dogs already have Bionic Ears. <laughs> pretty, like, you can hear it amazingly well. Oh, yeah, now yeah. you can hear. Now you can hear even better. It can yeah. smell even better. Wait, yeah, my, my nose better. is one giant smell smelling thing. Yeah. That's why it's all wet. Yeah, I don't need any more power. I don't need more Bionics to smell things. Yeah. What a dog needs is a Bionic Brain. I like that uh, you know the first the first thing with like Steve Austin it was like such a controversial thing of like I don't know if we can do this or not and it's like six million dollars yeah yeah it's so expensive oh, so expensive. that's why he only has one bionic arm that's right they yeah, didn't want to spend the other two million right you could buy like a house in Vancouver for that um, so uh, you know the, but they do they a make small him house. and he's precious and he's all this stuff and by you know season whatever uh, eh, dog. <laughs> fix the dog. It's bionic dog. Why? Why do they? Why do they? Why, why bother? The, why? Why would they fix I the really, bionic dog? I like Rex. He's such a good dog. He's a very good. Dog. You don't. You don't have a dog like Rex along every day. You know, he probably had bionic legs. Okay. Oh, his name was Max. Yeah. Uh, and he had his jaw and all four legs enhanced with bionics. Oh, he had so a he power could, biting. He could bite through shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I guess, like probably fences. There was a lot of fence biting. See, the problem probably. is though, like. Yeah, he can lock his jaws into something, but someone can just grab him and tear his head off, though. Well, I like he's not bionic neck. Like it's just, I, I don't know. There's a weakness. The spine is connected. There's a weakness there. It's gotta be the you spine. say that, but they don't. They don't specify. It's hmm. a real. It's a real uh, problem that didn't occur to me when I was eight. But looking back on it now, how was I so stupid? Best, best. Um, you know, really, people talk about. Six million dollar man to me, and I'm like, I don't remember anything you're talking about. Like, I don't remember the fembots. Okay. Like, I remember, I know that they're there because people have talked about them. I don't remember that at all. I remember two things about six million dollar man. One was the Venus space probe. Okay. Unstoppable Venus space probe that landed on Earth and thought it was still in Venus and was going around destroying things. Oh shit! Why was it gonna? Why was it trying to destroy things on Venus? What was the? Plan? Well, it was just like destructive because it was it was unstoppable. And okay. so they're trying to stop it. And Why did we kept... send a probe to Venus to destroy things? Well, no, no. It wasn't sent to Venus to destroy things. It was just going to go to Venus as an exploration vehicle. But right. it landed on Earth instead. And now it's right. causing all this havoc. But the ha- it would have caused around. havoc on Venus. Though, well, but there's no roads and cars and trains driving well, around it, on Venus. What was Venus. point to do? And like, was it's it... an exploratory thingy. Just smash it up. <laughs> That's right. they, sent, they sent a ruffian yeah. to Venus. I mean, this is a problem, yeah, like, yeah. period. This is That's a problem. Right. They said... They said, um, men are from Mars and space probes built by men go to Venus. Okay. Rough it up. Well, here was the thing with uh, Max. The dog. Yeah, Max the dog. Max from Heart to Heart. 
who got some bionic powers. Not the 10,000-year-old mouse? No. Okay. Or 2,000-year-old mouse? That's right. Or yeah, 10,000 years old. Yeah. That's he, stupid. He just, all he did was talk about Jesus. I was like, <laughs> so then I'm a kid, and all of a sudden this news? guy Jesus shows up. <laughs> well, I was his best friend. Were you? Wait a minute. Was this mouse... Judas? <laughs> right, this sounds really suspicious. Story. Yeah, that's right. Wait a second, because every one of the Max the 2,000-year-old mouse stories was just like, I knew Paul Revere. I was there, and I helped him out. I'm the reason it all happened. And it's like, okay, that's uh, interesting. I knew that's Joan right. of Arc. Mm-hmm. You did. I told her to wear those oily rags. Um, so Maximilian, his yes. deal is, uh, he, was, uh, an ex- he was a dog to be experimented on. That's what he was. He was a lab dog. Oh, he's a lab dog. He was donated at the age of four because yeah. uh, he was critically injured in a chemical lab fire. Uh-huh. Uh, may have been his fault. May have been an insurance scam on his part. <laughs> uh, but so they, they brought him in and they experimented. And, but then uh, he was rejecting his bionic parts. It was not going well. It wasn't going well. But Jamie showed up. Jamie with Bionic Woman, of course. Bionic Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Summers is her full name. It's a great name. Jamie Summers is a really good name. Yeah. But when I was a kid... Uh, I didn't know because they don't say this is the origin of the bionic woman. Yeah, they just say this is uh, Steve Austin and this is his girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, Jamie Summers. Yeah, great. And they go uh, up in a, like a helicopter. I think it was. I think it was a helicopter. And they fall out of a helicopter. I'm like, well, this is where Bionic Man saves her. Yeah, but doesn't save her. Yeah, and uh, she lands on the ground, crack, and she's just a mess. And I did, I didn't know where this story was going. Yeah, and it's disturbing as yeah, a kid yeah. when, like, you know, hey, Superman dropped a kid. And it didn't work out anyway. So uh, Jamie, uh, she turned out fine. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Jamie shows up at the lab, and she realizes something that why the dog is rejecting the parts because they're gonna put the dog to sleep, mm. uh, bionic sleep. Uh, is uh, he's depressed? Oh, really? Yeah, you know why? Because he's a lab dog. Oh, he doesn't he a- like being uh, experimented oh. on all the time. Oh, okay. I thought you meant he was a Labrador. No. Okay. Uh, and he also still has his uh, pyromania. Oh, not pyromania. Pyro uh, <laughs> fear. What do you call that? Pyrophobia. Pyromania is Def Leppard. <laughs> also, he started the fire as a insurance scam. He's a pyromaniac. That's right. Yeah. So the dog lost one of his uh, legs, but he still plays the drums. And it's very <laughs> impressive. And everyone's like, how does he play that? Well, yeah. he uses his tongue. Oh, that's interesting the dog right. uses his tongue. How does he play the drums? Badly. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> he knows when he's licked. So, uh, Jamie goes, ah, he's depressed. I'll adopt him. So she adopts the bionic dog, and then they have uh, adventures together. Except he fell out of a helicopter. He, yeah, they go. It's like why do they keep falling out of the helicopter? <laughs> it's very uh, dangerous. Yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah. Except he keeps running into fires. Like as in, like there's a fire. Oh, I'm just freaking out. You know, because he's got bad memories of the fire. Mm. Which he's right to do so. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, then they have uh, bionic adventures together. You, you don't remember the Mars space probe or the Venus space probe? I should say. The episode? Yeah. Two uh, episodes. It was a double. It was a two-parter. I, the only reason I remember, the, I remember big, the Bigfoot one and the Mascotron one. I remember one the Bigfoot one. Is because I watched them uh, maybe a decade ago. Okay. But every, I, there's no other episode of uh, Six Million Dollar Man that I remember. Just yeah, yeah. No, I remember Sasquatch as well. Those are the two things that stand out in my mind. As Who like, was a robot? Was he a robot? Spoilers. Played by Andre the Giant. Oh. The, the Sasquatch character. Okay. Or Bigfoot. In the American vernacular. Okay. Nice. Yeah. You didn't know that? Mm-mm. Now you do. And I guess in uh, in the new Bionic Woman, there was no Steve Austin. No. Right. Okay. 
I guess you could have brought him in later. That's right. He, he could fall out of a helicopter this time. Yeah. She Ooh. could she could let us let him try. <laughs> I mean, and to be fair to the bionic uh, uh, man, six hundred yeah. dollar man, how's he gonna like save someone who's falling in the sky? Uh, like, what do you do? Well, yeah, he doesn't have bionic wings. He doesn't have bionic wings. Like, I guess he could like hold her yeah. and then like uh try to break the fall with his legs, like going through some trees. I don't know. Or some such, but uh, no, probably not. He's probably not, because he's, he's more like, oh, man, I better be careful. I'm worth $6 million. Yeah. I can't just be, like, jumping around and hurting myself. Yeah, that's... I'm really expensive. That's quite a bit of money back now. Yeah, yeah, back now. <laughs> like, he's, he's like, constantly, like, aware of how much he costs. And he's, like, way more cautious than he should be. Like, people are like, hey, Steve, you want to go to the to the fair with us? We're going to go on the roller coaster. He's like, yeah, I can't. can't. can't take a risk. I mean, they're like, well, you got your your bionic. He's like, I'm like half bionic. Like my legs are bionic. I got one arm and an eye, but not two arms. How am I going to hold on to the roller coaster? Something happens. Right. And what was Jamie Summers' job? Uh, she worked in a uh, boutique, clothes boutique. She was a tennis pro. You're wrong. I saw her on the Rocket Files, and she worked in a clothes boutique. All right, fair enough. Done. And done. let's bring the Rocket Files up again for another four-hour talk. Yeah. After a skydiving accident left her uh, broken. I guess it's a way of putting it. Uh, so she was skydiving. So really, it's not his fault. She didn't fall out of it. She jumped out of it skydiving. Yeah. Well, that's uh, nothing. You can't, you can't blame Steve Austin for that. Well. You are throwing around a lot of blame here, sir. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. How come he didn't stop her? I don't know. Because she was jumping by her own free will, skydiving, which is something he couldn't do, of course, because he's worth $6 million. He's like, I can't. Can't go skydiving. I'm too expensive. And she and Steve worked for the Office of Scientific Intelligence. Office of Scientific Intelligence, OSI? Yeah, OSI, a semi-secret organization under the direction of... That's not secret. Semi-secret? It can't be. It's not secret. Well, there's it's, secret it's, a, it's a binary thing. Either it's secret or it's not secret. Okay, it's okay to be binary. <laughs> um, who was the director? Oscar Goldman. Yeah, absolutely, Oscar Damn Goldman. straight. That, that, I think, like... That's that's who would get a spinoff series now is Oscar Goldman. <laughs> you think he's the most exciting character? Well, he would be the guy that, you know... I think if they did a you remake, want to see what the office is like, and like mm. there'd be other bionic folks that he'd be dealing with. And to be honest with you, I think if they did a remake, they Jim Phelps his character, and he'd be like the betrayer because yeah. you wouldn't see it coming. But we'd all see it coming. We'd all be like, "Oh, they hired that actor. That yeah. guy's bad. That's a bad guy." And as I as I remember, uh, there was an Oscar Goldman action figure, but you were a fool to buy it because <laughs> if you bought Maskatron, you got an Oscar Goldman mask. But you didn't you get the, just... you didn't get the briefcase. With Maskatron, the briefcase was the, the magic part of Oscar Goldman. Yeah. Because it was like a spy briefcase. Yeah. Which he didn't use on the show. No, no, no. no, no. Of course he didn't. Uh, and uh, well, something I liked about the uh, $6 Man and uh, Jamie Summers uh, actually was uh, they had their um, skin that you could roll down. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, yes, that's right. Because it had the, uh, the you could see the bionics under their skin if yeah. you folded it or rolled it up a little bit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that was a good and creepy. That was a good feature. You know what I wish they had had uh, as an action figure is uh, Bill Bixby's The Magician. Why is that? Because it would probably have come with like a little magic kit as well. Okay. That'd but it wouldn't be like a working magic kit. It would be like a pretend magic kit. Maybe. Right? Or be maybe it would be maybe be tiny magic kit. <laughs> like you could do cups and balls tiny. I, I guess could do, yeah, you yeah, could yeah, do yeah. that. Sure, sure. Yeah, but I, uh, I, uh, man, I love the magician. Oh, so good. I, I told my folks I wanted to be a magician, and they went, "You should write to Bill Bixby." That's not how it works at all. <laughs> like at all, he's right? connected. 
Yeah, like he he he'd write you back and just go, "Oh, you want to be a magician that solves mysteries? Oh, here's how you do that. First of all, Become find a murder. Become an actor. Yeah, then have someone write a show about a magician who who solves mysteries. Now remember, I almost die three times an episode. So mm. there, you, there you are. I mean, I do remember that show. I don't remember once again. It's so it's too long ago in my past for me to actually remember. Anything more than that it exists. If it comes on Tubi, I advise you to give it a watch. Yeah, I will. I will. Actually, I'll check it out and see if it is on Tubi because you never know. Tubi. Tubi is one of those channel or one of those things with so many movies. It's just impossible to know what's on there. So what I do is I just go to the leaving soon and I'll go through that and I'll be like, oh, this movie's leaving soon. I better watch it. That's just my way of watching uh, things on Tubi because otherwise you, you don't know what's on there. And now they're doing Tubi originals, which. Oh, they got a little money. I got some scratch. I guess I got a little money, but they're mostly like documentaries about serial killers and things like that. To be original. Yeah, yeah. those eh. are those are a little like a step above a podcast. <laughs> you know what? I think they're a step look, under a podcast. Look, I'm just I'm just I'm just saying, pitch yeah. them some horse mysteries, buddy. Pitch them horse mysteries. Pitch them horse mysteries. Sure. Do you, can, look, if you were uh, look, you're looking on Tubi, yeah. and you see a show called Horse Mysteries, do you go, "What's this doing here?" No, you go, <laughs> oh, "Yeah, I would cuz that, that's our name." <laughs> no, you would go like, "This makes sense." Yeah, this makes this sense. This makes sense that this would sure. this would be on here. Sure. I'm writing this down that Dave should pitch Horse Mysteries. <laughs> I'm going to pitch Horse Mysteries to yeah. Tubi. All right. We'll get on that. Yeah. There we go. Cuz yeah, all you need to do is look. Yeah. How much do you pay horses? Don't pay horses a don't lot pay, don't pay to them. recreate the scenes. <laughs> no, you don't pay them very much at all, actually. No, they work for they work for peanuts. That no, that doesn't work. Oh, horses. I think of elephants. Yeah, yeah. Never forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. The Tubi's got uh, originals. I yeah, guess yeah. everyone's got originals. Sure. Yeah, I think it's just the way the way of the future. And I, I mean, <sighs> let's face it. Not the way of the future. It's the there's way of too now. Many, there's too many streaming channels. Yeah, yeah. The future is not streaming. The, the future, future is something different. Yeah, yeah. This is like this is crazy. Like it needs to contract. I, I don't know. Well, it doesn't even need to contract. What it needs now is yeah. because there's so. Okay, here's what it is. Yeah. It's like you now have an infinite buffet. Yeah. And now there's like five buffets, <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is good value. And you're like, how many buffet? And there's like about two or three things at each buffet that you want. Yeah. And you're like, that's a lot of buffets. I don't want to pay for five buffets. <laughs> I just want to have what I want to have. Yeah. So what you need now is you need someone like a server who would go to, say, a kitchen and would get you what you want, depending on what you uh, like. So now we need someone to uh, sort through all of these streaming services. They want like an aggregator to... Yeah. And like would just trim it down and go like, hey, Dave, you like this. So let me tell you, here's like 30 things that are on here that you might like or 20 or whatever. Yeah. And then you you come home, you go, oh, this is like... TV. So would or it would be like you would take like a month long pr- subscription to Netflix and watch those things and then dump it and then move on to another one? Or are you saying that they would be like licensing? They would somehow it have feels... access to all the streaming services. Okay, okay. And they would say to you, "Look, I will with uh, the participation sort of, of these of these." Yeah, streaming so you don't services. have to pay full price for all the streaming services. Mm-hmm. You know, you pay like a little bit of something. Yeah. And yeah. So the streaming services get their little cut as yeah. well. Uh, but like this person just picks and chooses. Uh, depending on your wants, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, delivers it to, to you like a television network almost. Sure. But the benefits are that you uh, do get to stop the show when you want, or watch it later, mm-hmm. or what have you, and all the things that you like about watching on a streaming thing. Or like if you want to binge a whole series, you yeah, know, you can do that still. It seems like it's not the the best working model currently. 
Like if Netflix is anything to it's go so by. It's so new. If Netflix is anything to go by. Netflix was, you mail us our DVDs back, please. Sure, sure. Like but seconds I, ago. I'm just saying, like, if you look at, like, how their debt, the debt they carry as a yeah. as a as a corporation, it's, it's insane. But that's, like, any, you know, enormous thing. Like, you know, uh, things don't make money. They don't make money. <laughs> uh, the I don't... People, people do make money because they're given a percentage of certain things yeah but so you know uh so you zuckerberg zuckerberg yeah is a billionaire but you know if, if you're thing, looking at the things books, do make money like if you are invest if you are invested in like general motors general motors turns a profit during the year right but that was a long they time make ago profits yeah whereas netflix which is also like a company that i think believe trades also trades on the stock market so it sells itself yeah. as a profitable business it is not making a profit though so i just wonder about all these other streaming services as well like mo- some of them can be underwritten like amazon underwrites its prime with your prime membership right you know so you pay your 90 dollars a year or whatever and they they just throw that into the 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 whole of amazon prime disney of course is a huge corporation it can underwrite uh disney plus for a while i assume but you just kind of wonder like about the ultimate success of these things as like a working thing well disney plus also you know uh that feeds all the other stuff it feeds their movie empire it feeds their parks it feeds their merch yeah yeah it feeds everything that's what i mean like they can underwrite a loss of a streaming service that just kind of does okay yeah they don't they're not too they're not gonna sweat it but whereas netflix doesn't really have that option but it feels like it's kind of like some kind of standoff right now, like who can last the longest? Right, but Netflix is kind of the Coca-Cola of the streaming services. They are, but they just laid off 150 people. Sure, sure, yeah, because it's all, you know, it's nonsense, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, like it grows too big and then it shrinks real fast and yeah. it's all over the place. Yeah, it's like any... And any- it's different than what it was, right? Like, when you convinced me to, to sign up to Netflix, which is, it was you who convinced me to sign yeah, up to Netflix. Yeah, they gave me a cut. I'm <laughs> glad to hear it. Uh, your pitch was, they have the Rockford Files. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Fuck yeah, I'm in. But it wasn't very much longer after that than everything that they had that was like old or interesting, you know, kind of old shows and stuff like that just like disappeared right. from the service. And I guess some of them returned back to their original holders, like, you know, and NBC bought back the office from Netflix and, and cause they wanted it for their Peacock That's thingy. Right. And, and then, but they still shows like Parks and Rec. So, you know, they, it's, you know, there's little trade offs. If you like that, you'll probably like this. And I think, do they still have friends? Maybe they do. Maybe. No, HBO Max does now. Okay. And has then, friends, which is so weird because like it was on Netflix for so long. Yeah, it's like, yeah. hey, now you can watch it on uh, this other thing. Yeah. Haven't I watched it? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel never, like I've watched it. I've then, never even right? seen an episode of that show. But, yeah, yeah. I've watched two. That's enough. But then. And then, like, a bunch of movies got taken away from streaming services because uh, Warner started, like, the Hollywood Suite uh, cable thingy. So then they took a bunch of their, their films and they, they put them into that service. So that those are inaccessible to streaming services now. And then, of course, TCM have their their uh, catalog, their library of okay. films. That don't, and I've don't got the that Criterion uh, channel. Now the well. Criterion channel started. And then there's Mubi, uh, which is also, like, a, it's also kind of a boutique foreign film uh, you know, streaming service. Yep. It's a very, it's very, so now it really feels like you need someone to sort through these things and like, let you know what's what. I mean, I guess that's what prime does with, with their BritBox and acorn and all the various channels you can subscribe to within their, within their model. But Amazon prime is the worst streaming service ever invented. Oh, uh, I don't disagree, but why? 
I just well for us where we live, we Does don't have bump along. We don't have great internet, so we yeah the voices always go out of sync. Yeah, yeah, that's it's true. so frustrating. Like okay, at least it doesn't really watch TV the way I watch TV because she doesn't look at it. She yeah. she's like on her computer. Facebooking or playing solitaire or whatever. And I'll come in and the voices are like five minutes behind each other from the action. I'll be yeah. like, how can you watch this? This is horrible. She'll be like, what? Oh, but she doesn't really know what to do. So I'll be like, okay, just click the arrow back and then press the big button again. And then we'll restart it and that will resync it for a while until it hiccups again. And then it's all, it all, all done. And also, if I'm getting this right, uh, it's not that same thing that Netflix does where it's like you stop watching something, go to something else, come back. And it starts at the same place that you left off. Makes sense, but there, I don't think it does. Uh, it does do that. Yeah, I've never, I've never had that. It was problem. either it was either Apple or uh, Prime that uh, I had to like do a big fast forward every time I was. Oh, really? Through. Yeah, I was like, son of a. Bird. That's weird. No, I've never found so that. So annoying. Uh, Netflix is a great uh, has a great uh, whatever their pro you know their, interface. Their not their interface. I mean that's fine, but their just their their programming like whatever they use like however they've developed as a streaming service is like by far the very best. Like there's very little lag. You never end up with voices out of sync. Yeah. It's really well well done. Yeah, the picture quality is really good. But they don't play the Rockford files, so it's unforgivable. Why isn't the Rockford files on Tubi? It feels like it would be. I mean, who knows? It's it's kind of weird because I mean, like I say, Tubi has like their leaving soon thing. And you'd be like, Oh, I'm gonna miss this movie and then it say you didn't have time to watch it and it disappeared. Right. Three days later it's on Amazon Prime. And you're like, oh, okay, that's why it was leaving. So it was going to a different service. Like, right. it's just kind of weird. Like, they, I guess they just have they have them for a while and then they move on, you know. No. And, the, and the other problem with Tubi is that no one believes you when you say that it's worth watching. <laughs> like, if, like my daughter, I was like, oh, there's this really good movie on there. Uh, it was this movie about this woman with uh, it was like a it was it was kind of a found footage horror movie, but really good. I can't remember what it's called now. Something Deborah Grace or something like that. And um, and I was recommending it to Mary, and I was like, oh, you've got to watch the movie. It's on Tubi. It's free, blah, blah, blah. You know, and just, She just never watched it because she's just like, oh, Tubi. If you're uh, uh, one of our American listeners, and you maybe are, uh, and you're looking like, where can I watch Rockford Files with da- what Dave's saying? Peacock. That's where oh. you can watch Rockford Files now. Uh, but I don't think Peacock is a free service either, right? You have to pay. But if yeah. You're, if think, you're paying for Peacock, I think you can do available. two things. I, could, I think you can either... Uh, go uh, pay and and get rid of the commercials, or you can have commercials. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so you got to watch Rockford Files with commercials, kind of like CBC Gem, then. I yeah, guess. like you like you watch Rockford Files. Here's what I think about uh, that: is uh, <laughs> if the networks were okay, if the if the advertisers were smart. Yeah. Say you're Rice Krispies. I'm 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 Jonathan Rice Krispies, inventor of Rice Krispies. <laughs> okay. And uh, and I'm like I'm I'm going to advertise on Peacock yeah. uh, during Rockford Files. Can I can I ask you though before we you start saying yeah. that what was your inspiration for inventing Rice Krispies? Uh, one day I just snapped. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He said that with a lot of pop. Yeah, that's right. And I yeah. was addicted to crack. Okay. At the time. <laughs> you gotta have crack or the clock's not wound. Um, that's my favorite line from that freaking song. Do you know that song? No, I don't know. Oh, it's song. really good. It's a, it's the snap crackle pop theme. And I think it's like, you gotta have crackle the crispy sound. You gotta have crackle or the clock's not wound. Beef, snickle, bake, lickle, lick, wickle, wiggle, wiggle, crackle makes the world go round. Oh, you don't know this song? No, is it Flavor Flav? 
Uh, it is. It is indeed flavorful. No, it's like an old uh, a jingle that's like brilliant freaking jingle. And here's <laughs> here's the weird bit about this, and I will get back to the other nonsense right. I was talking about. All right. Uh, I was looking at um, uh, an old clip of uh, Vancouver in uh, 1986, sure, and uh, and uh, looking for myself as a young robot in the, in the crowd. <laughs> of course, uh, but yeah, they had a clip of Expo, yeah. and they had an acapella group, and so they mm. were doing you know all the acapella songs you would normally do. Yeah, but then yeah. they also did the Rice Krispies theme, like the full Rice Krispies theme, wow. because it is great. It is great, huh. and uh, and and yeah, I don't remember that at all. I am going to write this down to uh, show you this afterwards. All right. Uh, snap card. We'll put it on the Okay, website. so here's what I would do. Okay. If I was uh, the person who owned Rice Krispies, I would say, look, uh, we'll give you the commercial, of course, to air during uh, Rockford Files. We'll give you your money, that's, your blood money. That's Wow, you have a good business sense. Yeah, that's it. Jonathan. Uh, Rice Krispies. Rice Krispies. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, it, it was Jonathan Corn Pops, but they made us change it at Ellis Island. <laughs> um, but I would say, but have an have an era yeah. appropriate ad. Yeah. So like, if the show aired in like '77, I'll give you a Rice Krispies commercial from '77 to air. Yeah. And like, do that with all the products that mm. were around at the time. Like, if it's Coca Cola, sure. And of course, if it's crazy sounds, sounds racist, like, I was going to say it sounds like a lot of corporations are getting. Canceled. You know, <laughs> there's some Rice Krispies ads yeah, with yeah. a Chinese character that are not going to fly anymore. I'll give you that. Sure. But about '77, yeah. probably, probably your Rice Krispies commercials are going to be all right. Sure. Your sure. honeycomb hideouts, your yeah, what yeah. have you? Yeah. Hamburger Helper. They're pretty white, but other than that, that's yeah, could be. But that's um, no different than nowadays. That's right. Or McDonald's, whatever yeah, it is. I shouldn't but, say. But you that. know, for the most Commercials part, are pretty, uh, the products are the same. Yeah. Tied. You know, and so yeah, have era appropriate ads in the uh, in the shows. So that's that's that's, that's a fun that's idea. And that's speaking as Jonathan Rice Krispies. Yeah. All right. It carries a lot of weight. Yeah. When you when you speak in that from that vantage. It was just Ian Boothby suggesting that I would just I would I would just shrug it off. But no, the voice of a giant corporation has spoken. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. I'm looking. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I, I got the. Uh, oh, I, I'm frustrated because it's. I, I've got this uh, stupid thing where it uh, will sometimes. Okay, here it is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you the uh, the lyrics to the Rex Krispie song. Okay. Okay, that's right. Snap, what a happy sound. Snap is the happiest sound I've found. You may clap, rap, tap, slap, but snap makes the world go round. Snap, crackle, pop, rice krispies. Tell that to a guy skiing. There you are. I say it's crackle, the crispy sound. You gotta have crackle or the clock's not wound. Geese, cackle, <laughs> feathers, mean? tickle, a belts, buckle, beats, pickle. Yeah. But crackle makes the world go round. Snap, crackle, pop, rice krispies. I insist that pops the sound. The best is missed unless pops around. You can't stop hopping when the cereal's popping. Pop makes the world go round. Snap, crackle, pop, rice krispies. Good freaking uh, uh, yeah, jingle. That's fun. fun. Yeah, but I love that you gotta have crackle or the clock's not wound. <laughs> nice. Good stuff. Uh, so. Did that seeing it in that expo thingy? Did that remind you of that song? Like you were, or did you know it? As I, a, I have that song locked into my head. I, right? Once upon a time, I bought uh, a CD or like a like an, a video CD that wasn't a DVD. Yeah. It was a video CD. Sure, gotcha. Uh, for your computer, and it had all these old ads, black and white ads, like uh, Mister Adam Sour Gum and what have you. 
Like, ooh, Mr. Adams, are you familiar? Mr. Adams Sour Gum? Yeah. Is he related to Mr. Jonathan Rice Krispie? Uh, uh, I think so. Adam Sour Gum. Could be. Uh, you've seen it. You've seen this okay. ad, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure. I don't. Ugh, I'm going to write this down. <laughs> Adam Sour well, I'm going to be watching a lot of ads sour after this show. Gum. Yeah, you will be. All right, gum. Very good. These were all hard to find, and then they weren't hard to find later when YouTube showed up. Sure, sure. Yeah. 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 YouTube was kind of a streaming service for a while. YouTube was pretty amazing for a while. Then it, then it, of course, had it got reined in because people realized they're missing out on moolah. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, in the, of course, in the early days of YouTube, it was just a junk. It was just a burning fire. It was a lot of like videos of, you know, things going wrong or cats and stuff like that. It's kind of like it's basically like longer TikTok, right. like the original YouTube. But then people started realizing, oh my god, you can like put anything up. And so then it was just, people would just throw up like movies, old performances by bands and stuff like that, which was, that was like the best time because it was just like a total wild west and you could just watch anything. Yeah. Now it's harder to find like live appearances by groups and stuff like that. Like most of those like shows have put in like, you know, copyright, whatever, and stop, like stop them from being shown because to them they're like, oh, I'm losing on a revenue. Yeah. Because this is like, you know, people could be watching this and, and we're not making any money from this. So they just take them off. And then, but the thing is, they don't like put them on in some other form. Yeah. They're just gone. They should, know? yeah. And there are ways to make money off them if they were thinking about Well, yeah. It. If they just made like a channel, like if, you, if you're if you worried about like people watching your Top of the Pops clips, like Top of the Pops must, despite the fact that the BBC erased 30 years of history, it must still have quite like a, quite a film, like a, a, you know, a bunch of great performances that it's that have been somehow miraculously preserved. <laughs> and that would, you know, and so if you had like a top of the pop YouTube channel, that'd be fun. Maybe there is one now. I don't know. I just, I don't, uh, I'm not organized enough to, to do things like that. Well, but, as I mentioned before, the reason for YouTube is uh, from the uh, uh, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson uh, video mm-hmm. uh, where uh, the internet guys went, hey, wait a minute. Uh, people want to watch this video. There should be a place where you can just watch videos that you want to watch. Mm. And then that ended up becoming uh, YouTube. Wow. But uh, it rem- it reminds me uh, of uh, the Russell Peters thing when you were talking about that, which I brought up before, where uh, probably the most successful Canadian stand-up comic, probably, for sure right now. That would yeah. be realistic. Um, or at least he was uh, a little while ago. And, yeah, he did one of these Comedy Now specials that you do in Canada. That's like, yeah. that's fine. Sure. You do them. You get yeah. like a couple of thousand bucks, maybe. Yeah. It's fine. And, uh, sure. you know, you got it on your resume. It's fine. Uh, but it went on YouTube and people started like sharing it and mm-hmm. putting it up on their own. And uh, CBC or whatever the network was, was like, shut it down. Shut him down. Every time it would come up, shut it down uh, because they own it. Right. And it was I think like, it was CTV, wasn't it? Who did those? Yeah, it sounds about right. So CTV was like, you shut it down, shut it down. And kept trying to shut it down. Yeah. But it kept spreading. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he was doing stuff about his family. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, no one was kind of doing that kind of. You know, multicultural family stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and then it, it, he just kind of caught fire. Yeah. Um, but if they were able to shut it down, he wouldn't have. So, like, yeah. you know, yeah. What benefited him was copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they couldn't. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's, you know, it's a double edged sword, but yeah. 
But then because of that, more people are then also watching their CTV clips that they have online mm. of him. Yeah, yeah. So it is benefiting them, but, you know, they've still got to go through the motions of, you know, shutting it down. Sure. It's like um, Vogue magazine that just wrote to a pub in England and asked them to change their name, the Vogue Pub, which has had the name for, you know, many, many years, many generations. It's like, what? <laughs> oh, boo. Yes. Do they write to Madonna as well and tell her? That's what they asked. That's what the pub said. You didn't stop Madonna from using this. Yeah, name. yeah, yeah. What, so why are we getting in trouble? Yeah. So what do they say about that? I don't know. There's been no uh, response. Okay. It's probably one of those things where like some underling at a legal firm has has put the magazine in hot water by being a little little too efficient. Yeah, I do know that uh, you know with the Simpsons, the situation was they do have to shut stuff down, even though Matt Groening likes the knockoffs uh, <laughs> and the bootlegs, because if they don't, then they can't enforce it for anyone else. Yeah, yeah. You know, then when the Ku Klux Klan uh, decides to use Bart Simpson as a mascot, they're like, well, you didn't shut these guys down, so now uh, Bart's is Bart's in the Klan. I'm yeah. Like, okay, yeah. fine. Fair enough. That's what happened to that poor guy with his frog. Whatever Michigan that. J Frog? Is that no, no, there's that Pepe the Frog. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, uh, like, the guy who drew it was just, it was like a stoner character in a comic strip that he drew. Yeah. And then people started using it, and he's, at first he was just kind of like, oh, that's kind of fun. That's kind of cool. I like that. And then it got it got uh, taken over by the by the alt right. He's like, ooh, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But by that point, it's too late. You've already like let it run run its. You've already let. Yeah. People... And then he uh, killed off that character. But what can you do? Like that's you can kill off your character. Yeah, but you can basically pull a, an R crumb and go like, uh, okay, Fritz the cat's dead, <laughs> and you have someone stab him in the head. An ostrich. Yep. And then uh, that's the end of Fritz the Cat, because mm-hmm. he did not like how it was going. <laughs> yeah, so this I wonder is too how, commercial. I wonder how many other examples there are of uh, people who have killed off their characters because they didn't like what happened to them. Yeah, that's a good question. Let's put that does out anyone, there. Okay, that's an obscure question. Let's put that out there But does anyone mind. know uh, that? Sneakers? Put on your thinking caps. And freakers? <laughs> hey, speaking of, uh, I was going to say, like... You know, and if you run into us in person, uh, tell us then. And you might, because this weekend you can probably see Dave and, and me in person. Yeah. Uh, on the we could have uh, mentioned this in an earlier show, but we didn't. Yeah, that would have made sense. Uh, <laughs> that's called marketing. Uh, but the twenty first and twenty second of May, uh, David and I will be at Van Caff in Vancouver at yeah. the Roundhouse. That's true. And uh, we'll be uh, there, and we'll have uh, some uh, Sparks books. Including the the most recent one, Sparks Future Perfect, and we'll have some book plates signed by uh, Nina Matsumoto, the artist, uh, David, the colorist, and me, the writer. Yeah. So there we go. There we go. It's true. Yeah. So come say hi. I'm looking forward to it just because it's such a great show with so many uh, good people and so many uh, fine artists. Oh, it's, it's a good time. And also, I love that it's free. Yeah, I think that's great that people can just wander in off the street and be like. What the hell is this? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, there's some uh, all ages books and pornography <laughs> side by side. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing my pornography and the all ages book. Yep, not pornography that I've created. I just bring in a pile, stack of Playboys to put on the table. Oh, you're not bringing your pornography? <laughs> well, that is my pornography. Oh, okay, very good. <laughs> nice. This is a stack of dirty magazines from seventy years ago. And you have a little sign saying, "Ask me about the articles." Yeah. Like, okay. Hey, where, what goes into buying a good high five? Yeah, I'll tell you. Tell you about the Mart Saul interview. <laughs> the seventy-page long Mart Saul interview. 
Oh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> yes, there is. I'm sure there is. Because speaking of hi-fi, I mean, that was... That could have been time he could have spent writing jokes. He was doing hi-fi jokes in the 50s at Mart Saul. Okay. Yeah, it was part of that bachelor thing was the guys buying their stereo systems. Because in those days, like a buying a stereo system was kind of like... Kind of like gamers like having really like yeah. expensive computers with a lot of glowing parts on them and stuff like that. That's what hi-fis were in their day, you know, like a stereo hi-fi, you know, because everyone most most people were perfectly happy with their mono system and their little tiny danset, you know, stereo sure. little t- portable turntables they could set up and, mm-hmm. and get their forty fives on and stuff like that. And but yeah, it was those particular people who were like, oh, listen, if you listen carefully, you can you can hear there's a triangle on the left hand side of the. The stereo spectrum. But you got to sit right here. Otherwise, it doesn't work for it. You know, get really upset because their wife wants to put the chair in front of the speaker. you got to block out all the... Uh, hey, Mortsall was Canadian. Mortsall was Canadian? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Mortsall was born in Montreal. Hmm. Yeah. Montreal, Quebec, uh, 1927. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Uh, passed away at the age of 94. Lived- last year. He lived a long and useless life. <laughs> he got he got some laughs. Yeah, I guess you that's know? true. He uh, he had a, a career. Let's see how many how how long was his career? Yeah, he did comedy from 1950 to 2020. There you go, 70 year career. That's all right. Hmm. There you are. I mean, you got real bitter. <laughs> I was gonna say it feels like there's like a part of that that where you feel like well he's part of the zeitgeist and then that ended pretty pretty soon and then he did that thing I've talked about it in the show before, which is where you you realize your career is sort of flagging. So you become obsessed with something like he became obsessed with the JFK yeah. uh, assassination and all the conspiracy the conspiracy stuff around it. And which was kind of the nine 11 of its day or the COVID, if you prefer, if you want to be even more timely, you know, where people just, they have nothing else going for themselves. So they just become a, obsessed with, with this thing. And it becomes like a little hobby horse they can ride and bore all their friends with. And, you know, and it, and it's an excuse for where, where your life isn't going anywhere. And people would be like, well, aren't you working right now? You go, oh, I don't have time for working. I'm too busy getting get this Warren Report stuff. I got to work on this. I got, I got pages and pages of like, I got all my notes I've taken, like all the discrepancies in this report. It's insane that what the American people have bought, you know? Other people are just like, oh, I'm just working. Yeah. Just getting by. And what are you going to do with that? And yeah, where is exactly. that going to go? Well, I'll take it on stage and talk to, pe- talk to the people. Yeah, it's going to help your career, sir. He is one of those people, I think, that like, you know, other comedians will then go, well, we wouldn't have been this without that. Oh, for so sure. he was the step. I say, well, he had the zeitgeist for a while. Yeah. But, no. I mean, he is obviously not a great person, et cetera, et cetera. But Bill Cosby was a person who kept himself fresh in in front of people, you know, for a long time. From the 60s yeah. all the way to when his big, his fall, right? But someone like Marcel just couldn't. And his comeback. Who did? Marcel? No, uh, Bill Cosby. He's had a comeback? Well, he's out of jail. Oh, he's out of jail. I don't know if he's ever going to have a comeback. No, no, I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) Jello has rehired him. Yeah. Uh, We're back to picture pages. (laughs) Like Jello, he bounces back. Um, But yeah, I don't... But Marcel, you know, he just... He had that little time where, yeah, he was topical. He was hip. He was, you know, he was mentioned in Time Magazine, you know. And then nothing. Because eventually... He just had nothing to give, you know? Like, he yeah. just had nothing to contribute but to culture. But to be culture. fair, art, you know? I mean, how how much art, art and artists are, like, consistent for, like, years and years and years and years and years? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rare. You know, just that you have that, uh, like, whoosh mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. It's, like, such a rarity. Mm, it's like, true. you know, 
It's like there are a couple. I, don't know. People. I think like Richard Pryor lasted a long time. George sure, Carlin sure. lasted a long time. Yeah, you can pick that those ten people. <laughs> I guess so. Robert Klein has to be an example of someone who couldn't keep it going. Well, that's the thing, though. Robert Klein is the kind of person who, you know, has consistently worked. Yeah, yeah, he's consistently and, worked. And also, but. no one goes fucking Richard. Yeah, you know, Robert, Robert, Robert Klein. Klein. <laughs> yeah, fucking Robert Klein. No one. Everyone's like, "How about Robert Klein?" Yeah, Robert Klein's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Robert Klein's good. And you know, uh, you talk about to Seinfeld about him. It's like, oh yeah, he's great. Like mm-hmm. he's a really, really good joke writer. And well, yeah, and he's not like, oh, but <laughs> you know, he influenced people and mm-hmm. still works. And it's well, it's a working comic. In the CD days, they put out a couple of CDs of his first two albums. You know, and they're they're great. Oh like, yeah, they're really good. He's a really good joke writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you keep going. You know, it's, I was <laughs> I was listening to. Um, oh, it's just such a an interesting show. Uh, the the show uh, Fly on the Wall with the Dana Carvey. And I've been the, listening to that a lot as well. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really and interesting. Like, oh, and then ah, uh-huh. and then like oh, <laughs> like oh no, and like oh. I kind of I kind of over, I don't I don't uh, cringe as much as you do. I guess I I recognize I recognize uh, their neediness as yeah. a common. Uh, as a common thing, I, I myself is what I mean to say. Yeah, but me they, too. Me too. I say to Dana and David Spade. Yeah, they had. Uh, There's an interesting moment. Go ahead. In the most recent show with with uh, the writer Tom Thingy. Okay, there was a more recent show, but go ahead. Um, and uh, it was just kind of a a moment where you're like, oh, oh uh, it was a uh, Jack, uh, not Jack Handy, not Jack uh, Handy. Tom. Oh yeah, he's the guy who wrote the change bit. Uh, the the bank that just made change. Yeah, he wrote Chippendales. You know. Yeah, I believe his name began with a. Oh boy. Okay, I'm it doesn't matter. Up. It doesn't matter. But anyway, there's just a part in it where where David Spade is talking about moving to New York to start Saturday Night Live, and he says, "I was live." Uh, he says Andy and Katie were in were in town at that time, meaning his brother Andy Andrew Spade and his and Andrew Spade's wife Katie Kate Spade. Right. And that made me think like, oh, so sad. Because of course she she uh, killed herself a few years ago, right? Oh, Kate I didn't Spade. Know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I didn't know that. So, and so it made me sad because it's like something you say, and I wonder if in, in his heart he's like, "Oh, poor Kate" or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you say that, and then you're like, "Oh, oh dear." Well, that is sad. It is. Yeah, it was sad. I just thought it was like an interesting, weird moment in the show, right? They're talking to that Jim uh, Downey. Jim Downey. Oh, it's Tom Downey. That's actually what his name is, but he changed it to Jim. Yeah, that yeah. was a good interview. I thought. Yeah, they had uh, Dennis Miller on this week. Ooh, yeah, that is interesting. They're and they're so friendly and they're so light and they're just they just love each other so much. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, I miss this Dennis Miller. <laughs> yes, you just miss him. Yeah, you know, it's why I mean, but I guess it's a thing. Like you kind of go where the money is, you know. And for someone like him, the money was in playing this character. For audiences that want that character, right? You know, and those those people turns out are conservative creepos, and that's kind of where he drifted into. You know, it's kind of weird, and yeah. I don't know how much of it is really him or not. I don't know, but it just seems like I get the feeling that he does believe it. It's just yeah. there's something about I'm too smart for the room is a is the Dennis Miller problem, right? Course. And he, he got so behind uh, Bush, <clears throat> W. Bush. And I was like, "Huh, it's weird." And then just like, yeah, then then really, you know, uh, what's it? What's his name? Uh, Riley, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Like oh, he, Bill O'Reilly. He became yeah. a regular on the Bill O'Reilly thing, and it's just mm-hmm. like, well, that guy's just a big sack of bully. So how <laughs> yeah. do you? What do you? And I know we'll you do know, it live. Yeah, it's just so weird. Like, 
it's just so weird. There's something that happens with certain comedians. Mm. I mean, I guess just with people. People, yeah. But like where they just lock onto this thing and you're like, hmm. Oh. Like you can tell like uh, Dana Carvey tries to steer around it. Yeah, but yeah. he is. Like you can tell, you know, that there's like, hmm. He's just trying not to say what his beliefs are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, wait, how? <laughs> how do you not see that these guys are like, like just blatant crooks, like yeah, complete yeah. crooks? Yeah. And you know, well, I think it, you you see it, but you know, they're they're your blatant crooks because to 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 Miller, the other side is just as blatantly crooked. You know, and I guess right, you just want, choose. Yeah, there was terrorism that was coming, and the only one who will protect us is this person who doesn't give a fuck about rights. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you know, uh, you know, yes, they will be torturing people. Yeah. They will be doing this, but they'll be keeping you safe. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess you can sort of see. I don't approve of it, but there's some <laughs> logic. But then when you get like yeah. someone, you know, like some of the recent tools, like that are just like they're nuts and incompetent, <laughs> like and in no way public servants at all at all and are wanting to like bring you back you know 50 years you know at the best of times Mm -hmm. i'm like okay but as a comedian you can't analyze that and go like Mm. i should call this out no it's like i'm on that side wow it's just weird you know i mean a victoria jackson i'm just like there was you know okay i can see how that person can be suckered in pretty easily okay 100 i kind of got that but But it's funny how much they love her too and yeah. in that episode of Jim Downey, he's like, oh, Victoria, she'd do anything. She was game for anything. Yeah. You know, and their reaction, their feelings about her are totally removed from how we view her because their feelings are personal, not outsider, you know, this is what she believes. They're like, oh, I love Victoria. She's a wonderful person. Right. Give you the coat off her back. But it's... You know? a, <laughs> We're like, what a weirdo. <laughs> and it's such an interesting... Yeah, it's such an interesting dynamic between Dana and, and uh, David in that you could tell, like, David definitely has more money than Dana. Oh, of course. Dana has uh, done much better in the long run, yeah. but is not as famous as Dana. And when they're talking about Saturday Night Live, these are the glory days. Back when, like, you know, he was... Yeah, he was for, made for Saturday Night Live. Yeah, so Dana... So Dana, like, Dana Carvey was David designed, Spade, yeah. Spade is, like, going for scraps, mm-hmm. you know, and, and never knowing when he's going to be fired next, which is interesting. It makes for a good dynamic on the yeah, show yeah, of, like, talking yeah. about, it was great. Well, it wasn't that great. And like, okay, good. <laughs> it's nice to see the two different points of view yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then another person who, you know, it was, it was, you know, with Dennis Miller, it was interesting because... You know, later on he'd do great, mm-hmm. but he was part of that season where, uh, you know, it, that ended with uh, everyone being burned in a fire. Do you remember that? I don't. Okay, so it was a it was a season. I'm sure, I watched it. For the it was a season with um, uh, John Lovitz was his first season. Sure. It was the one I believe with uh, with uh, Kuzak. Uh, Joan Cusack, uh, Randy Quaid, Anthony oh. Michael Hall. Oh, that's uh, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. Yeah, yeah. Uh, D- uh, D- Denisha Vance, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's a couple others. Um, Not but, a great season. Right. And the season ends with uh, they all go into a room and the room catches on fire and it's burning and it's going to be this going to be a cliffhanger yeah. to see like what happens next year and and Lauren Michaels runs in and grabs John Lovitz <laughs> and like brings him out and then locks the door <laughs> and Dennis Miller was one of the ones that was still in the room okay, okay. and he's going eh, it's a great joke but you know I'm still in the room with the fire <laughs> um, yeah cuz uh, yeah the only real breakout star was Lovitz that season. yeah 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 
Yeah, with his uh, liar and his actor characters. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. It's it is well, it is funny. Like it's and it's funny. By the way, Dennis Miller also was really nice to me once. So yeah, uh, that's the thing. Yeah, and they talk about it. But they also talk about him being really nice to someone else mentions that. Yeah. He was very supportive to comedians. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, like, how helpful he was when you came to the show, like, getting you, you know, orient, oriented into the, this and world. Still being mean and, and snarky. Sure, sure. But, but, also, but also helpful. Actions were kind. But that's his comedy, it was the snarky guy. I mean, that's that right. was the time. That was, the, that was the, the, the style of that time period, you know. If you weren't being biting and ironic, what were you worth? Come on. Mm-hmm. You know. The the those weird sincere comics. We we were uh, yeah. We, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but I was talking yes. about yeah. We did. <laughs> I don't, don't know. Okay, we were. I was talking to my wife about this because she was uh, saying how when she met my comedian friends, she yeah. was just like, oh, they're they're mean. They're yeah, I thought mean that too. People. Yeah, no, I think you're both wrong. Um, but <laughs> but what uh, what I was going with, like, it's, it's just strange to me that like, were they all mean? Was, was I just like around? Everyone was mean, or was this just like how they operated, and yeah. what was the benefit to this? Mm-hmm. And my feel, and, and kind of in, in the discussion, what I came up with was, I think at the time, and it's weird to cast your mind back to a different, you know, way of like processing things, but it was like if we can talk about anything, we can talk about anything. Yeah. So if we are backstage and we can like just like do the cruelest fucking insults or talk about the yeah, most yeah. forbidden topics yeah. it means that when you are in trouble and you need to talk about something for real we can talk about it mm. and so and i do remember times where we were going through things that were very dark and we could talk to each other sure and you know and and because the atmosphere was that it allowed it and i wonder if you know in an atmosphere of politeness you would not bring up a thing. And so it's you possible. keep it to yourself. Yeah. And like, maybe that's worse, yeah. you know? Uh, but I, I don't know. I think, I think what screwed it all up was if, if you've got that atmosphere where you can talk about anything, then you cannot then increase someone's power and have like, okay, but no one can talk about this person's stuff because they've got a bit more power than the other people. And I think that's what happened mm. that fucked everything up was like we had some people who were too sensitive about, like as insensitive about, they were mean, but you couldn't say anything back. Yeah, yeah. And then now this is just bullying. Mm. And then and then new people would come in and they wouldn't feel comfortable doing any of that so yeah. they'd just be taking it but not giving it out because mm. it's like they're the new person here and now you're almost having prison rules and now it's just <laughs> a completely abusive situation if there was ever a time where this system could work uh it's definitely is not now and we've got to like abandon it yeah completely. i mean i don't know if you know me i you know you know i'm no stranger to a, a solid burn if i can get one in mm-hmm. that's nothing to me what i found very off-putting was they're always using last names to each other. Okay. And I thought that was very cold. And I found it a very cold way to talk to people because it seemed to put like kind of a wall between each other, okay. you know, and I didn't like that. I didn't like that people, no one had first names. Everyone was, you're always Boothby to right. them. Hey, Boothby, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, ugh, kind of way to, <laughs> this is a horrible way to talk to people. Like, I don't care about you insult. I mean, my gosh, like, I insult people all day a long. It was kind of a military thing, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, just, yeah. Like, it's just what, Johnson? I, yeah. yeah. It is, I think it's. Cedric? I think it is sort of of its time, but maybe just the kind of the the, the tail end of that kind of way of talking to people. Yeah. That you would either be Mr. or you'd be a last name, which is, you know, slightly less formal. 
you know, but we've kind of got rid of all of that yeah. now and just, you know, like, you know, adults don't even feel comfortable, like, having kids call them Mr. So-and-so, you know, oh, just call me Dave. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be Mr. Dedrick. Mr. Dedrick is my father. Literally, he was my father and also Mr. Dedrick. True. Well, when, okay, when we uh, started hanging out, again, let's go back to high school because that's what this podcast is. Um, <laughs> when <laughs> you were, you were a big fan of uh, Monty Python. And I the was Dynam- a big fan. And, and, and you would, uh, you would tell me that, uh, you liked reading about, uh, when they were writing on Monty Python and like someone would get so mad, they'd throw like an ashtray across the room, right? <laughs> like to me, that was like, well, that's shit. Yeah. I don't like this at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so. This is this was the discrepancy I didn't understand. It was like you were down with the atmosphere of like having a temper tantrum and like really blowing up in the room and like yeah. this is good for comedy. Yeah. But like if people are being mean verbally, yeah. whoa, that's too <laughs> cruel. But I'm like, yeah, throwing shit around and stuff. That's that's good. Yeah. That's good for comedy. This is this. And well, I'm like that pe- seems much meaner to me. But that's again me coming from like an abusive background where like you know sure, dad would it. blow up and then everything's yeah, going yeah, to shit. Yeah. So I don't like someone having a temper tantrum. Yeah, I guess that's it. And I mean, I guess whereas, whereas I wouldn't get that dark sarcasm that wouldn't be something that we would uh, do in the house yeah yeah so yeah, I, yeah. I had no mm, worry about that that was That's, still safe um well as someone i mean my brothers would be the first to tell you what a verbal bully i was as someone who was intelligent and totally willing to like be ruthless you know intellectually and totally talk down to my brothers so i don't think i could would excuse myself from from being like verbally cruel or being you know but I think what I liked about, I mean, I'm I'm less I'm less that way now. But I like that as a passionate teenager. Yeah, I like the idea of like creative passion that they would be that, you know, that caught up in the moment of like creation where it was like a battle to get your stuff across. Because to me, it felt like what a great filter system. Like to, you know, that you know you're willing to like no one's no one's just being polite, you know, and going oh it's, it's great it's fine yeah toaster sketch yeah he comes to return a toaster that's great you know no it's make it better you know be better that's not good you know let's get your stuff out of here people have to fight to get in their their ideas and stuff like that it seemed to me like that just showed like the kind of create and i mean the show kind of i think as a demonstration that it worked in terms of like keeping a high sense of a certain amount of high quality over okay. a, over a time period you know but can you maintain that no they couldn't no one i don't think anyone could yeah you know but i mean I mean, I understand, yeah, as a teenager, how that, bah, yeah, you know, as a yeah. teenager, you are that. Yeah, anyway. you're already there, so. But the idea of throwing stuff around or having, <laughs> like, a temper. Like, yeah, I don't know about throwing stuff, but, yeah, I just feel like what I liked about them was, yeah, their, their like, even, like, the naming the show was, like, a was like a big process, you know, that involved sure. a lot of time and, and you know, throwing around names and working and working towards something. Well, I'm watching um, Comedy Punks now. The Paul Myers uh, directed um, uh, documentary series on the Kids in the Hall. Okay, and yeah, they're talking about like you Sorry, know. Where is that? I don't know about this. Where is this playing? Oh, it's on Prime. You won't oh. like it because it'll uh, skip. <laughs> voices it. will get voices will be off. Uh, yeah, I've watched the first episode. I haven't watched the second one yet. Okay, um, but yeah, they they they. Well, do I'm going to go right to the second episode just to be ahead of you. Please do. Uh, but yeah, they talk about the naming and they're, they're fighting for like, you know, uh, which of the names they're going to have because it was the audience and the kids in the hall yeah. were the two groups and they had to fight for mm-hmm. that. And of course, they, you always fight for that. But, but, but I know it's going to come down to there was like physical fighting <laughs> and they were all spitting on each other and they were all this and it's like that yeah, kind yeah. of energy and yeah, dynamic. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, it turned out okay in the end, but, like, they're much <laughs> kinder now to each other. Yeah, I think, I think that's something, I mean, like, that's just being young and then growing up. And, I mean, also, when you read Paul Meyer's book about them, like, those guys, a lot of those guys are coming from very, like, oh, yeah. broken homes. Every and dad sh- drank. Yeah, like, it's a lot of, like... I think one of their shows was called, you know, A Bevy of uh, Drunken Dads. <laughs> you know. And so you can see, like, there's a lot of rebelling. There's a lot of, like, angst to, to work through, you know. And, and I mean, I think, to me, it's good they found each other. It gave them a group of people yeah. that were supportive and let them work through all this stuff. I mean. And Bruce was chased by, you know, Calgarian uh, uh, jerks. Yeah. Who, you know, were thinking, you know, he's weak and small. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so he buried himself in comedy and sports and yeah. rock and roll. Yeah. You yeah. know, and all these kind of things. Yeah. You, sure. you, you were on your high. But aggressive rock and roll that was yeah. noisy and, and physical, you know, because that was. Yeah. He, was he the, needed that outlet. He know? was the music expert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely in the group. It's. Uh, I was listening to. I'm, I'm reading a lot about comedy. Um, <laughs> but I was reading uh, about how they did. Um, uh, Mr. Show, which is like one of my favorite sketch comedy shows. Mm, very good show. And, and uh, Bob Odenkirk had a method that was a method that I came up with without knowing oh, about their method. Me. What's that? He stole it from me. Yeah, without knowing. Um, which was they would never reject an idea. They would just go if if someone brings up an idea, then there was something in that idea that they thought was funny, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, that doesn't. Oh, quite- so they did reject ideas that weren't funny. No, they would uh, they would accept like th- if someone brought up something. Yeah. Uh, they'd go, there's something in there. Okay. And we're going to find what that is. Okay. So uh, so they would just like work through it and work through it and work through it. And they didn't use everything, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But like every idea they worked through mm. to try and find something that was in it because... yeah, and, and we did the same thing with like Canadian content. Sure. Which was like, there'd be an idea that was just like, oh boy. Uh, like, <laughs> no, but what's in there? So let's yeah, yeah. just keep going through it and let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. Let's put it on. Let's put it on stage. Let's see what's there. And 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 yeah. And so you get some stuff that is really woo. And then you also get some stuff that's like oh, you know, it would not have made it through a, a regular pitch in a room. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there there were legitimately sketches that I did that I've talked about that I don't get that I was in that worked. <laughs> it was like an auction sketch that I'm that I'm in that I still look at it and just go. It's a rhythm sketch. Yeah. Like, it works because of rhythm. Yeah. But if you break it down, like, hmm? Yeah. Yeah, it's almost music. It's just like, this builds to this, to mm-hmm. this, then the third person comes in, then it's this, now I'm freaking out a bit more, I've got to calm it down now, yeah. to here, and now, boop, boop, boop. And it's like, okay, it's a very comfortable sketch to watch, but what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and there's a couple of sketches like that that I'm in that I just, I do not get this sketch. <laughs> and afterwards, I would, like, go off stage and go, like, did anyone get what that sketch was? <laughs> works. I know. And it only works because we put it on stage and yeah, and did yeah. it. But that's what uh, they did with like Mr. Show. So they got a whole bunch of weird, weird sketches out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different than like when you pitch in a room and everyone goes, oh, that's a great idea. Mm. It's like, unfortunately, what happens with that then is the great idea, because you can pitch it so fast, everyone, when they see the sketch, also gets what a great idea it is. And then where are you going to go from there? Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, that is good. Three minutes later, yeah, we get it. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Python had an element of that as well, where you know, if a sketch was presented and it was felt like, oh, it's very close, you know, they would hand it off to other teams sure. to work on, and so they would take a crack at it to see if they could figure out, you know, the a way into it to make it work. You know, it's hard, you know. 
And would be, yeah, and, and then meanwhile... I mean, the proof is in the pudding. That's why I feel about most of these shows, like, Mr. Show, it worked for them. It's a great show. Yeah. Because in the whole, another awesome show. It's really great. I didn't I didn't love the first half a season, like the first season of the show. They talk about that, yeah, where, where they were doing basically sketches that they'd done on stage. Never they works. Were, they weren't Never working Never works. Cogger had the same problem as well, which is a Canadian show done by a, a theater troupe that had toured for years around Canada doing doing, you know, great... Apparently great. I never saw them do live stuff. They came here and played at the the back alley. I'm pretty sure. Codco, you're yeah, talking about? yeah, yeah. I uh, didn't see it though, but very politically relevant. Yeah, very, yeah. very. Oh, yeah. Oh shit. But okay. when you put that, when you take that and put it onto television, it becomes very strident, <laughs> very strident. <laughs> and and that's. I mean, you, I'm sure you could say the same thing about. There are some. There are some uh, footlight sketches that show up in Monty Python as well, particularly the courtroom. Stuff a lot of that, a lot of those things were. What's going to Why they have some of our sketches in there? <laughs> purloined from their days in, in the Footlights Club touring, you know, as the Cambridge Circus or whatever around Australia and in America and stuff like that. Um, yeah, they would just take those and kind of re retrofit them into the Python uh, act, you know. Yeah, why does something work? Who knows? What's funny about Cardinal Richelieu showing up to, at a trial and being like a showbiz cardinal? Well, seemed funny at the time, I guess. Yeah. It works. Was it funny to you? Well, it'll probably be funny to someone else. <laughs> we'll but, see, we'll see. But it is, it. the comedy punks thing is very, very interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. And they've got, uh, he's found a lot of good clips. Cool. Yeah. The one thing I don't like uh, about it yeah. is uh, he's eliminated the other members of uh, the Kids in the Hall. Because there were other Kids in the Hall members that were, yeah, that yeah. were around. And it's like... Oh, why didn't they go to Toronto? Mm. Why didn't Frank Van Keeken and, uh, and, uh, I'm trying to think Gary something else. There was like, I think there was, uh, yeah, there's a couple others. Uh, and it's like, what happened there? And you mm-hmm. do see, you know, uh, them sometimes like in the clips. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Well, who are they? Yeah. What's yeah. this all about? And I know like Frank Van Keeken and Mark and Mark McKinney both did. Basically, the head crusher guy. Yeah, yeah. They were uh, like cousins or brothers or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It like, is oh, a duo. Yeah, yeah. That's weird. And I understand that you're, we're trimming the fat. We're trimming the fat. <laughs> but it's just like, well, I get, well, he maybe he didn't want to go to Toronto, Van Keegan, or? Well, that'd be interesting to know. Yeah. But it's, it's Yeah, it should like, be like an interview with. If you had a Beatles documentary and Pete Best wasn't in it, mm-hmm. you're just like, huh. And so they all got together and then it all, they worked real hard, but they had some <laughs> uh, fights and, you know, wait, was there nothing? And you never mentioned like Yoko Ono. You never like, yeah, you know, and sometimes there was girls around. Anyway, and it's like, all right. And also they don't mention, uh, Pam, uh, uh, Thomas, uh, oh, kind of okay. discovered them. Yeah. And yeah. Pushed them to Lauren Michaels. Yeah. Uh, and that was a big part of, you know, them getting their big break. And pushed them and, to HBO as well. Right. Yeah, and Pam, yeah. was, at the time, she was married to Dave Thomas from uh, SCTV and whatnot. And I know I know her from, like, working with her on another project. But uh, but that's, like, a famous thing of, like, yeah, she was the discoverer kind of of them. Mm-hmm. Not in there at all. It was yeah, just, like, yeah. they were doing shows at the Rivoli and then Lauren Michaels showed up one show. <laughs> like, okay. Fair enough. Seems like we're we're skipping some stuff here. Yeah, which yeah. You have to in a documentary. I understand. I guess but, you do, but 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 yeah. You can you can spend a sentence on some on some of this stuff. It seems weird to. There is a lot of stuff in it that I didn't know though. Like there's a, you know, uh, they get to the end of their first season, and I didn't realize what happened at the end of their first season. And I was like, hmm. And this is a little bit of a spoiler, so I'm not going to get into it. But okay. it's like, whoa. Okay. Well, I read I read the book, so I imagine I I know. All right. And what, okay. what was it? What happened? Yeah. I think they got fired. 
Yeah, the show got canceled yeah. at the end of the first season. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's, well, it looks like that was the end for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. That's what then, then they started getting the co production between them and CBC. No, they were already with the CBC. Oh, were they already the CBC? Oh, okay. I yeah, Ivan uh, Ivan Feekin, uh, uh was one of the uh, throw through some money behind it. Okay. The, the other, okay. yeah, the other thing they really go whoop over was uh, they worked on a season of uh, Saturday Night Live, Bruce and Mark. Yeah. And that's just like, and we didn't like it. It was hard. <laughs> and we didn't enjoy it, and it was stressful. And this, and like, Ugh. well, you guys were actually on the show occasionally. There's like little. Like little film things with like Bruce in him and mm. stuff. What about that? Oh, that's weird that we're just yeah. not into that at all. That mm. like you guys went off the the group was broken up because you went off to do Saturday Night Live and then you came back and and realized no, we all want to work together. Yeah. Okay. Do you or were you fired? Because I think you were fired, right? <laughs> it's just weird that they're like, no, no, we're a family and we should be together. Yeah. And Lawrence, they should all work together. They're good. No, wait a minute. That's not what happened <laughs> at all. Like Mark was fired twice from Saturday Night Live. Okay. And if you don't set that up here, mm-hmm. that when Mark goes back to Saturday Night Live later, then it doesn't have the impact that uh, it, it it really should have. But. Again, I have not done a documentary, so what do I know? Well, you know as much as anyone else who's done a documentary. Oh, very good. Okay. So, yeah, come on. (laughs) You're allowed to comment. Anyway, it's on uh, Amazon Prime. I'll I'll check it out. Have you been watching the new series? I have not uh, been watching that. I have not. Watch Uh, the first episode and uh, be treated. I've been obsessively reading uh, the Witcher series. So okay, that's my that's my when I get home I read that and then I fall asleep with the book on my face and then I wake up at some point and I, and I go to bed. There's a couple of sketches in there that I think are like among their best sketches ever. Wow. Okay. There's one with Dave Foley that's a solo sketch that's just shit. <laughs> like whoa. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to watch it. I do really like them. I mean, I was a longtime mm-hmm. fan of of them, of course. So. I'm finding it. Yeah, I'm finding it very. Uh, well, I've watched them all, so it's like, it's not I'm finding it. Uh, but I found it very comforting. Mm. Uh, not necessarily in a nostalgia way, though, when they do start playing the theme song, mm. that's very, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. But seeing these guys who are in their 60s mm. do sketches, and they're doing sketches, and there are some that comment on the age, but like... It's they're just doing sketches and they've got something to say and they're performing and it's like oh that's really nice mm-hmm. they're great oh they, then they love each other oh that's really good are they gonna play women they are they're great <laughs> this is good yeah it's that's just really good and it's just so yeah so that's nice a good question see. that's what I was asking myself I was like you know, I wonder if they're gonna do or if they're gonna play women right there are you know more people kind of around them in small parts. Mm. as well that you know kind of spread the diversity around but it is still very much them you're not going to see mark mckinney doing his bluesman in blackface (laughs) um i guess that's one for the ages that is one for uh, that was a different uh different era for sure that reminds me of something just to slightly go off topic just for a minute yeah no that's what our show does i was uh playing the box office game yes and and i think it was for 2006 Ugh. And the one of the movies of that year was a re-release by Walt Disney of Song yes. of the South. Yes, I couldn't believe it. And I actually, when I when I we, I mean, I got it right away because just because of 
Because he said, you know, they bring the characters of Br'er Bear and Br'er Rabbit to life. Who could this be? (laughs) Oh, I didn't. Is it Splash Mountain, the movie? (laughs) I did the two actors and it was Bobby Driscoll. And I was like, oh, okay, this has to be, this has to be uh, Uncle Remus. But by the way, this is the one problem with the box office game is Mm. so many of those teasers do have just like, you know, uh, love is frozen forever. Mm -hmm. Is it frozen? Yes, of course it is. (laughs) I got that one with a real space. I got that one with one name. (laughs) One name. Kristen Bell, I said, oh, this is Frozen. Bang. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so I was like, oh, man, I did not see it that. And I really wish I had because now, of course, it's gone forever, most likely, like Lost in the Vaults and never to be seen again unless you find some pirated 2006. version. 2006. 2006. Isn't that crazy? That's bananas. Yes. Did anyone talk about that at the time? Like, I don't remember it being like, showing this. I, I don't, don't remember it being like talked about at all. I mean, it, it had been released from the vault a couple of times onto onto to V onto VHS tape. Yeah, and maybe that's my only recourse now is to like scour Value Villages in their in their kids' department looking for uh, from the vault something like those. But I would think, think that'd be very rare and hard to find. I'm sure. I'm sure there's many a way to. Uh, to watch I know something. you can watch it online and whatever, but yeah, I, you know, I'd rather like watch like a. A, nice, a VHS a good, tape? Well, a good version of it. And then VHS tape was once considered a good way to watch something. I never okay. complained. I didn't complain when I watched VHS when you it was a thing. You have interested me to the point where I'm going to look right now just on Amazon and see if I can if I can get a copy. I'm not going to get a copy. <laughs> but, but if there is, uh, you know, all right, so I'm just going to look up Song of the South mm-hmm. DVD. Yep. Is it available on Amazon? Would you think it is? Would I think it's available on Amazon? Yep. It's possible. I think you may have a better chance on eBay. The answer is yes, okay. but uh, just the Spanish version. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think you'd have a better chance on eBay than you would on 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 uh, Amazon. Oh yeah. Not yeah. even not even a question. <laughs> of course. Yeah. There'd be infinite copies of that on. Yeah, eBay, yes. very expensive, but yes. Yes. Did it ever come out? In, it must have come out on DVD at some point. If it was out in two thousand six. Yeah, well, it's it's on DVD in uh, in Spain. Oh, okay. So for sure, there. Wait, uh, okay. Disney's Song of the South. El Zipity El Duda. That's okay. Oh no, that's the paperback it. book. <laughs> All right, but uh, DVD. Hmm. It feels like it. Oh, maybe. Wait, I'm gonna. Okay, <laughs> maybe on the back door of this. Let's see what we got. We got the Disney Collector's Gift Set, mm. and that has a whole bunch of uh, stuff. Uh, in it here. Uh, what are we? What are we doing here? What do we got? We got. Uh, no, we do no. No. Wow. No. It's that rare. I guess it's that rare that it's uh, whoever owns it is is has kept it squirreled away in their in their vault. But that's so weird. Two thousand and six. I know. Two thousand six. It blew my mind. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Literally made me fall out of my chair. Literally, I fell on the floor, hurt my back a little bit. Okay, but if you want Song of the South. Uh, on uh, oh, let's see if it is on DVD. I, mean, I am quite curious now. All right, DVD on uh, eBay. Does it does it exist? Yes, is this? Oh, huh? No, I'm getting no. I'm no. Not at no, all. I'm getting the Altman Brothers Band Song of the Scat South. There. <laughs> okay, so you're wanting to buy a VHS tape, Dave? Is this what I'm hearing from you? All right, so you can get uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Song of the South. Yeah. This, these are vintage Disney videos. Sure. Uh, now these are pre-owned because it's uh, yeah, eBay. Yeah. Uh, Thirty-one dollars. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Hey, if you want uh, three uh, uh, things, I can get you for forty-four bucks. Yeah. I'm gonna get you Song of the South. Sure. I'm gonna get you the three Caballeros. Not bad. 
and I'm gonna get you snow dogs. Oh, yeah, that's the, that's a that woof. Feels like that feels like that's, that's a punishment for buying song of the yeah. Sea. That does sound like a bit of a punishment. I think all right, so you I just think we, want, we have Snow White on VHS and Walt Disney Classic Song of the South PAL VHS cassette tape. Get that for $132. PAL is that what we have here? PAL, yeah. Oh, if you want uh, the Mexican Disney Song of the South, sure. Now, this is a rental tape okay. we owned. That's going to cost you $640. Ay, ay, ay. Holy cow. Okay. That is now, some gouging. Oh, gouging. But, yep. Song of the South. Yeah. yeah. I want you to guess what this one is. Okay. How much this one is okay. going to be. By the way, you're too low. Okay. <laughs> okay. Second guess? Yeah. Too low. Third right. guess? Too low. Okay. Is, is it $900? That was your first guess. Like yeah. I say, too low. You got to keep going. <laughs> uh, Song of the South, uh, Disney VHS, new unopened shield, Japanese dubbed version. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, $38 shipping. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Sure. Uh, how much is it in Canadian? How much is it in Canadian? And Canadian. You said, you said 900 was too low. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, $1,500. Okay. And as I predicted. <laughs> too low? Too low. Okay. So here we what? go. This cool. is your third guess. Okay. Uh, I'm going to guess... $2,500? You know, technically still a little bit too low, but good enough. $2,563.50. <laughs> wow. Plus $38 shipping, which brings it up to $2,600, basically. Zippity doodah! <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. But it's not even that, because it's a dubbed version. My, oh my. It's a Japanese dubbed version, so you're... <laughs> This English subtitles doesn't yeah. <laughs> really make sense. Yeah, but I know you want it so bad. No, I don't, that, you know, uh, uh, that, uh, that I don't really bad. want it that badly. I just wish I, I wish I'd gone to see it in the theater in two thousand six because I would go to see re re releases. Sure, sure. I don't remember playing here though. I, I bet you didn't play it up in Canada. It feels like it would have played at the uh, Capital Six. You'd think it, but I don't because remember seeing it. There's six slots there, and they got to fill that. So. <laughs> I just remember playing. I mean, I remember I went and saw ba- Bambi when it was re released. I went and saw. Sleeping Beauty was re-released. We went and saw that. So I would go to re-releases. Like, this, Lisa and I, before the girls were born, we went and saw Bambi. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's weird. Uh, but, um, Seeing how Sparks Future Perfect is selling on oh, eBay. Oh, okay. <laughs> check, check that out, please. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's ranging from $14 uh, US to $22. Huh. That's nice. Um, as oh, you a lot of copies. Oh, there's a lot of copies there's on there? a lot of copies. Jesus, it just keeps going. <laughs> 33 items found. Okay, that's a lot. Well, that's good. It shows that people are, are buying it if people are selling it. Yeah, I'm in. Sounds good. All right. Um, as you know, my Hello? wife, my wife, she's a, she's become a big fan of stand-up comedy. She probably knows more stand-up comedy than I do. Okay. Because she listens to it all day long, every day, while she's driving. On Sirius or something? No, she listens to that. Isn't uh, it weird that comedy's on Sirius? And it's called Sirius? Yeah. That it, is, it is odd. Yeah. How ironic. But it's ser- it's serious like Dogstar serious. Right. Not serious like, it's, it's like Yahoo serious. serious. Yeah. It's not Yahoo serious. It's Dogstar serious. Okay. So, um, like I say, she's become an expert. She knows all, all the comics. Comedian. She has her favorite. She has one she doesn't like at all. She has to turn them off. All right. Dennis Miller being one. Mm-hmm. Turned off when he starts talking. Who was the other one she doesn't like? There's another one she turns off as soon as he starts his thing. But anyway. Jeff Foxworthy. No, he's totally anodyne, banal. 
Okay. Who could be offended by that guy? No, I'm saying, oh, she turns off because she's offended. Not I offended, just, just, just like, finds it, ugh. just finds it, ugh, yeah. And you might her. be a hippopotamus <laughs> if you're biting cows in half. <laughs> if you're swimming to stay warm or stay cool, you might be a hippopotamus. That's right. If you can whistle through your teeth, you might be a hippopotamus. If you <laughs> forget it. Anyway, if uh, you're a god in Moon Knight, you might be a hippopotamus. <laughs> <laughs> if you're filling in for so- another animal, you might be a replacement hippopotamus. <laughs> so, like I say, she's a- so she's fallen in love with this com- comedian uh, called- named Nate Bragazzi. Okay, you don't know him. I'm gonna look if I know. Because you're not an expert in comedy, like my wife, my wife, and so. Oh, from Vancouver. Well, he was in Vancouver. He's actually from Tennessee, a town called Old Hickory. I learned of the show because we went and saw him. <laughs> We went and saw him on, on Wednesday night. Okay, where did you see him? At the Queen Elizabeth Theater. Yes, he's a big enough uh, kind of comic that he played the Queenie. Okay. And you've never heard of him. Me neither, because I am not an expert at stand-up comedy like my wife. So why did his name come up here? He was Because he, he was just, just in town at the Queen, at uh, Queen Elizabeth Theater. Right, he right, just right, passed right. through Vancouver. Okay. As, as part of the, uh, I think it's called the Rain Check Tour or something like that. Because I guess he was going to tour earlier. Right. Okay. And now he's Wait. Not. I may have seen. Okay. Hold. Hold. Let's have a hold here. Okay. Uh, I will not. I will not say a word. Yes, I did see him on Netflix because there was uh, a thing called the stand-ups on Netflix. Yes. And I was watching Nikki Glaser and uh, and some other people like yeah. Dion Cole. Okay. From the Conan O'Brien show, and uh, and he was one of them in Fortune. Uh, Femster. So yes, I did watch. I have seen him on that. Okay, okay. Go, please, please continue. Where did you? Where did you see him again? So into the Queen Elizabeth Theater here Very in Vancouver. Nice. It's a big, big place. Yeah, that's where we saw Laurie Anderson. You and I. Yes, that's true. I saw, I saw you two there. Okay. I saw a flock of seagulls. I saw there. you too as well. The, yeah, so uh, I saw you too at the. Uh, I saw Brian Wilson there during his smile tour. Oh, okay. Who have I seen there? I saw Elvis Costello there. I've seen other people there. I can't remember. I saw Gordon Lightfoot there. Okay, he's also yeah. Uh, Nate uh, Bargatze. Yes. Uh, oh man, I want to play this game. Sure. Uh, it's a, there's a spinoff of Portal called Aperture Desk Job. Okay. That he is the uh, computer voice for. I see. Yeah. I see. Oh, I want to play that so much. <laughs> oh boy. He has a very he has a very laid back style. Okay. I'll say that for him. All right. I enjoyed it actually. I thought it was very funny. He had three. There are two opening comics. One was a guy named something Dickerson from Seattle. The other one was a Canadian comedian named Graham Kay from Ottawa. All right. And I don't know him. He was quite, he had a funny thing to say, which was that he um, just had a special on Crave. He was very proud of it. Put his name into Google Alerts because uh-huh. he wanted to, like, any kind of mention about this thing. He thought, this is it. My career is going to take off. Sure. Big star. Everything's going to go my way. Turned out there was a Graham Kay in Australia who was arrested for rape. Yeah. And so that was... I was going to go like... All his alerts were yeah. all based on this guy. Were literal alerts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he... Yes. He said, and I know all about his case, because that's all I hear about in my Google alerts. It would be interesting if, like, that was a situation where then, like, when he moves into a neighborhood, he's got to go door to door and tell people, I'm not that Graham K. <laughs> you might... I know how sex offenders have to go sure, door to sure. door. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a sex offender, but I have the sure. same name as a sex offender. Yes. So I have to tell you that, but I actually have uh, a special on yeah. Netflix. So I just have to tell, I don't have to tell you about the special on Netflix, yes. but I'm going to. <laughs> anyway. Well, 
Crave, but yeah. Crave. I'm sorry about that. That's fine. Oh, wish it was on Netflix. Son of a bitch. So does he. And uh, yeah, but he's fine. He's fine. Nice. And I hear he- that he's uh, quick, clever, deliciously sarcastic, and brilliantly funny, says the Huffington Post. <laughs> okay, you take your credits where you can. I guess so. Okay. But, but please go on. You don't like Ariana Huffington? Is that what I'm reading? I'm just like, you know, when you're looking for a comedy review. Okay. And you're just like, it's the Huffington, Huffington Post. Post. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. The Wisconsin Plain Dealer yeah, says. Okay. For a while. That's right. The Daily Beast. The Adirondacks. Tri- uh, uh, Mort Tribune. Buy and sell. Yeah. Okay. Why is it called the Mort Tribune? That's a weird name for newspaper. No one they like Mort's all. They love Mort Sol. That's that's how they base all their. It's on a Mort scale. Yeah, Graham K. He very comes high out, on the Mort that scale. That newspaper under his armpit. That's that. <laughs> that's the Mort tribute. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he was good. He was funny. Let's see, he was in the paper. He was all good. Right. And then Neighbor Gatsby was also really good. I thought I thought his act was very very funny. Nice. So we did have a good time. We went out for dinner before, and then we went to the... They I, loaded up on merch, got the t-shirts. I forbade her. No, I didn't even see it. I didn't know if I had t-shirts. I forbade her from like having any lessons before the, the show. Because what Lisa will do is be like, the show's at 7. That means that I can have a lesson until 6.30. Do lessons until 6.30, then we can leave to go to the show. Because she thinks that traveling is magic <laughs> and requires no time to travel between places. Right. You know, that's how she... I don't know. She's a teleporter. Yes. Like, her, her thing is, like, <sighs> if you allowed her to, she would lay in a chair until five minutes before the movie starts mm-hmm. and then say, I guess we should go now. Whereas I'm, like, I know it's 25 minutes to drive to the theater. I'm, like, 45 minutes. Let's go. Let's go. We got to get going. Come on. Everybody, in the car. No no hesitation. Yeah. But we have to wait 20 minutes to the theater. That's right. Keep going. Get. Yeah, there's lots of stuff on a big screen to entertain you. And also, you don't know how long it's going to take you to get there. You could... It's some sort of snag. Right. And like, what's your worst case scenario if you're at the theater like yeah. 15 minutes early? It's just like, so wait a second. You got to watch uh, stuff on a screen and you're where there's candy. Sure. You're fine. And how are those <laughs> seats? Super comfortable. Well, then what's the problem? Well, what do I have to go to the bathroom? There's bathrooms. Okay. <laughs> so there's no problems. None. Yeah. In fact, None. you should get. It's better should, to be here than home. Yeah, yeah. This is better than home. And you should give yourself that time to go to the bathroom before the movie. Like right. you don't want to race into the theater and have no time to prepare yourself. Right. Now, of course, you should also. Uh, the only problem is then you get that fucking one uh, commercial thing or whatever where it comes on. And this is like, you're about to see Doctor Strange. Now, when you see Doctor Strange, we're going to ask you a quiz here that's going <laughs> to fuck up two elements of the thing. Uh, what's yeah, America Shabbat's power? Well, we don't want to know. <laughs> we don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, I hate that too. You are right there. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, <laughs> shut up, shut up, Wong. <laughs> you're right. Are you saying Wong because his name is Wong or his character is Wong? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wong all around. Uh, so you went to dinner. We went to dinner, and then we went to the show. It was a very nice show. Oh, but, you went to dinner first. Yeah, I went to dinner first. Oh, so you went with full bellies and then full of laughter. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, can make you Loki sometimes. You know what? Sleep. I'm not a. I'm not a. You know. You know me. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't digest food that way. Apparently. Okay. <laughs> it gives me energy. All right. I'm like yay. So it was good, and then uh, but it was weird. Here's the weird thing about the show. All right. Here, Last joke of the show. Good, good joke. Fun joke. Yeah. Kind of a family, kind of a, fa- you know, my wife, kind of a joke. Yeah. And then uh, everyone's like, uh-huh. As soon as he says, like, 
thank you, everybody. Soon he starts saying, like, his final, like, you know, love you, Vancouver, blah, blah, blah. Thank you, everybody. Lights are on. <laughs> yeah. The lights just, like, turn on right yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, And people are jumping out of their seats. Yeah. Like, they've been shot out. Like, like people yeah. are already, like, yeah, before yeah, he's yeah. even said yeah. goodbye, like, people are already, like, leaving. I'm like, what? Getting their bags from the overhead compartments. What? It's like we're not on a plane. What is the rush? Where are my bags? We're in like a, I mean, this is not like a small theater. It's not a, it's not like a stadium. Yeah. But they're like, I got to beat the traffic. There's no traffic. Yeah. You're not at the hockey game. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it was weird. I just, I've never seen people leave that quickly from a place. I am going to say, now that we're talking about bathrooms. But I'm just going to say one thing. There, that may be it. I think that older is. Older crowd. Yeah. Older crowd. This is an older crowd that has been sitting and yeah. laughing. And now their <laughs> bladders are going to go boom. Yeah. yeah. And if I think if you went and you looked at the Queenie bathrooms, there would be a lineup. Mm, I think you're right. Yeah. And you're people right. just pee in their pants. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but I think I think they'd like to. But they, their social niceties forbid them. Right. Let me point out to you, there's a construction site across the street right now where the re... re well, basically ruining the Canada Post building across the street from the Queen Elizabeth mm. Theatre. Plenty of places to pop in and take a pee. Uh, here's my question about the uh, night, because I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, were people uh, shutting up during the... Uh, yes, thing? a very respectful audience. Good. Yes. And they still laugh, though. Lots of laughter. Good. Yeah, yeah. At first, I thought oh, I was going to be annoyed. I thought I was going to be annoyed by the person behind me, but she was fine. She just, just laughed and had a good time. Good, good, good. I mean, it's so... Oh, it's so hard. The woman in front of me seemed to go to sleep yeah. at some point. She leaned her head. I was right against... Okay, you know, like where you walk in, like the 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 uh, in vomitoriums, yeah, where you go into the place, and they kind of. It, it, I was sitting in a seat beside like the wall for that, and so this lady kind of gently laid her head on it during the show, kind of partway through, and I thought, oh, I wonder if she's just maybe feeling her wine now. She's just kind of yeah, that's a possibility. A little bit of a nap. I think there's also just a thing. Some people just because they don't go to shows regularly, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're sitting in a comfortable chair. This happens to me at the ballet. Okay, yeah, but you're sitting, yeah, you're sitting in a comfortable chair, mm-hmm. and you know you've you've had a little bit of tension of just like are we parking, is there mm-hmm. parking? Mm-hmm. We went through all the things. Now we're relaxing. Yeah. It's much like when you go into an airplane and like, okay, now I've sat in my seat. Now you just relax, <laughs> and you know maybe I'll watch something. Maybe I won't. But then yeah. the lights go down. Mm. <laughs> like it just you. Yes, this is totally me. So and many if, factors. And yeah. in fact, I think that you have actually given us a further reason why you should arrive early. To something like this is that you have some decompression time sure. from your trip to the theater, you know. So we arrived, you know, a little earlier. Like we were there about an hour earlier than the show. Yeah, we had found a good parking spot, walked across to the white spot, had some had some dinner. Right. Then walked a block over to the to the uh, to the uh, playhouse or to the Queenie, the theater, and we uh, watched the show, and we were fine. There's no tension because the tension was all me being angry at the waitress at the white spot who was who never came to our table ever oh worst service i've okay came and gave gave us menus she gave us menus before i showed up actually because i was i waited three minutes i know this white spot you're talking about yes yeah yeah it's bad service white spot yeah it is yeah Yeah. and they seceded us at the bar and i wasn't there like if i had been there i would have said no to the seating which i don't like perched on being perched in a chair that feels like you're gonna fall over and and then and also you're like kind of in the bar part of it. It's like why why do you want to sit here? Give me a booth. But um, I was waiting three minutes at the parking meter for it to switch to six o'clock, which was uh, a cheaper uh, time period. You could pay for like right. uh, from that point, you could park there for four hours, 
if I'd done it three minutes earlier, I could only park for two hours. <laughs> so I just waited there while Lisa went in and got Smart. a plate. And I came in and she'd already accepted this horrible place. So I was like, uh oh. And then the waitress gave us menus. Yeah. Never returned, came back, ordered drinks, brought us drinks, never returned, Oof. finally showed up. And it's kind of like, oh, do you want to order? Well, uh, I guess. Like, I don't know why else we came here. Do you want to order? And so then. I'm here for the atmosphere. Took, yeah, took her orders. And then, you know, it was. Fucked off again, and then she brought us her, and someone else brought us her order. She can be bothered to bring us her food. There's another person who brought us her food. So she doesn't know who's getting anything. She's like, Oh, I got legendary for, okay, and you're getting this. And then, um, and then, yeah, she never came back. She never like came and checked how our food was. Yeah. Which everyone says is annoying, but when it doesn't happen, you realize actually it's kind of nice when the waitress yeah, comes around and checks check. on you. Yeah, yeah. And then I never got like a refill. Yeah, refill. And, uh, you got to tell them no more fries. Yeah. When they come like, once more fries? Didn't even ask no. that. Didn't even ask that. And I was kind of thinking of trying their cherry pie that night. I was kind of like, maybe right. I'll splurge, try the cherry pie. Couldn't, because we were like, by the time she came around, we are like, we really need her bill, because we have to be at the theater in five minutes. She's like, oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's no when good. it takes you 55 minutes to eat in a restaurant, that is too long. I know that you're thinking like, oh, no, here's... No, not at White Spot. But, okay, we're a couple. Maybe we want to talk for a little bit and blah, blah, blah. But we're gray-haired. Clearly, we've been married for a long time. We have nothing to say to each other anymore. Yeah. We just want to eat like pigs and head over to the theater. Yeah. Just joking. We always talk. <laughs> Mostly about the waitress. Mostly about the waitress. I can't believe this person. Tell, tell, tell me. we got the bar waitress. Tell, She's tell, 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 got tell, two things to do now. Tell, I know. Just she doesn't have time for us. Know, you know. Listen. <laughs> She's you serving know, people drinking at the bar, and she's also doing this. You can't make people wait that long. They're elderly people. They're going to die. <laughs> That's right. The servers are elderly. We're elderly. Yeah, no good. Yeah, so that was... Uh, yeah, maybe it is bad service white spot. I don't, I don't know. I haven't it is a bad now. service white okay, spot. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I was comparing it to our favorite white spot. What I... And it was... It, it fell. It, th- it there fell are times short. where... Okay, because I, I would sometimes uh, do work out of the library there. Because mm-hmm. I do like the library. Especially, I like... Uh, writing on the in the um, garden on the roof. Okay, it's really beautiful there. Sure, it's really sure. Nice. I it's that. weird too. I can also look over the edge and see my old office at the CBC. I'm like, <laughs> hey, that's neat. Um, uh, so, so there's times where I'm like, oh, I'll get something to eat. Oh, I'll go to the white spot. Uh, I don't have four service. hours to kill. <laughs> yeah, bad service white spot. But wait a second, there's a triple O's down there. Mm. Well, that's like good white spot eating. That's yeah. like boom, done. Yeah, yeah. There you go, buddy. Yeah. We're done. All right. There you go. <laughs> Get like, out of here. Right, fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and do you like it less expensive? Yeah. Okay. Done. There you are, pal. You're making a, there you making go, a good case there. Yep. Uh, it's now closed. Well, that's... Because everything closes. Because <laughs> no one can afford to have anything in Vancouver. Getting in an argument online today about... <gasps> uh, yeah, I know. Shocking. Can you believe it? <laughs> it's not the kind of thing that happens online very much. <laughs> well, let's let's hear what you reaped and sowed. No, it was just uh, about, uh, I used to live kitty corner to a public pool. You used to live kitty corner to a public pool? I did. I used pool. to live kitty corner to a public oh, pool okay. when there I was There was an open, open pool, like an op- uh, yeah, an outdoor, uh, pool. outdoor pool. Yeah, it was behind a community center. There sure. was also a fitness center, and then there was a pool behind it. Yes. And then... It was uh, cruelly removed by, by a... a ridiculous city council right they said like oh there's cracks and uh we can't yeah, it's yeah. too much to repair oh, it's it. so hard to fix it we can't fix a crack we don't want to spend so money on things what do you want in the city infrastructure we just want your tax dollars we can spend on pet projects <laughs> right so anyway uh so any Satire. any hominy hominy who <laughs> uh they said uh but uh, as soon as we can afford to rebuild the pool 
We're going to rebuild it better than ever. Yes. That's what we're going to do. As soon so, as they can afford it. As soon as we can afford it. Yep. And so they knock down the uh, community center. Yep. Uh, they pave over the pool. They yeah. cover it in grass. <laughs> and uh, and so it has been uh, since, I think, 2009. Yes. yes. So uh, now oh. it looks like they're going to build a pool. There? Yeah. Nice. So, um, so yeah, there's this uh, you know, uh, people who are objecting to put up. Uh, it's interesting. They're objecting they're, to a pool being put in. Yeah. So there's there are what, now. What, are they afraid of water? What are a, what's a, wrong with a woman who is uh, has been uh, this petitioner for like a, uh, you know outdoor pools uh, in Vancouver. She's a real. That's her issue. Yeah. Uh, she she was uh, pointing out that there was like 330 anti pool posters that were put up around the neighborhood. It's ridiculous. There's like. They've stuck them on everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's this this group called like say no to children. Friends of uh, the Mount Pleasant Park that are against this pool being in there, and they're like, oh, it ruins the park. The park's so nice. And like I understand you've you, you've had things a certain way. Yeah. And so you don't want change. Everyone hates change. Change sucks. I understand. But yeah. this was promised, and now there's the funds for it, and yeah. now they can do it. Yeah. And it's gonna. It looks like it's gonna be great. Sure. Uh, they're they're also uh, increasing the size of the pool, the outdoor pool at Hillcrest as well, because that's just like a rickety dink bunch of nothing. Like okay. It's, it's like an outdoor pool that's attached to this giant pool. Okay. Uh, but you know you can't really swim in it mm, and laps mm, or anything. It's just yeah. kind of you know your yeah, kids yeah. won't quite die. <laughs> that's what it is. It's more it's more of a of a oversized bathtub. So they're doing like, both cool. of these. These are both going to happen. That's good. That's good to hear. But yeah, it was like uh, all these people just like losing their minds. Over Turns out it, there's right? a pe- no fun no fun people everywhere. They just yeah they were Don't. like but the, it's so nice. I don't want to fun. have the grass there. It's like it is grass is lovely. Sure, it's great. But there's there'll there's still some... be grass there by the way. Yeah, but even when a pool's built, there is such a a, a, a feeling of like joy. Uh, with a pool, like the, sure. I mean, to be fair, if and I did live in that area for quite a while. Yeah, there's a lot of screaming because kids, <laughs> kids at a pool will scream. Well, and it's also a really good echo chamber. Yeah, a pool, as as all our neighbors learned living behind us. Sure, is when I grew up. It's so loud. It's a loud thing. I'm not a pool. saying it's not loud. It's just you got to put up with it. Right, you got to put up with it, and also the city put up a skateboard park in the in that same thing. So mm. listen. That that ship has sailed. The <laughs> screamy stuff that's it's sailed. But yeah, they were really uh, upset about it, and I'm like, "This is fantastic! No, yeah. this is ruining everything." And I'm like, "Huh? It's just so it's so weird, uh, you know." But but uh, their their uh, argument is times have changed. This is the kind of thing that it's like. T- yeah, times have changed. We had a heat dome last uh, summer, <laughs> yeah. and imagine if you had a pool yeah. during the heat dome. Shit, yeah, that would have been amazing to have that. I mean lineups and it'd be crazy but like <laughs> yes have to have this for sure yeah, you should yeah. so yeah i had an argument about that hmm. that's and, my argument and you're arguing against the pool yeah so yeah making... i hate the, i hate pools <laughs> i don't like them my i am made of cotton candy and yeah. i don't like it no i love pools so i'm much. a real nymphy not in my front yard this was actually kind of a nice thing i was i yeah. was i was had i had kind of a rough uh week uh, and so I was like, uh, I just want to go someplace that I can just relax. Sure. So I went down to New Brighton uh, Beach, and I was like, you know, I like sitting next to the yeah. kind of pool, even when the pool isn't yeah. the like... The sequel to Graham Greene's novel. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So, uh, you know, even when the pool's empty, it's still like nice and I can get some writing on. So I go down there uh, yesterday, which is, I think, the year 19th. 
So, uh, <laughs> okay. so, I go, so I go down there. Yes. And there's gentlemen there throwing chlorine in the water. What? Like just randomly? Like not got like people who work there. People who work there. That's oh, okay, right. Okay. Okay. Workers. Yeah. Putting chlorine down, and then they're also spray painting, uh, like around the pool. You know, no running. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But the, the, the I mean, the, uh, the chlorine's interesting. What's this about? And then they're. Well, do they uh, always put chlorine in the pool. You can't have a pool without chlorine. Yeah, you gotta have uh, some gotta, chlorine. I mean, you gotta have some chlorine. Yeah, but not when no one's swimming. There's no reason for that. Like it's uh, you know most of the year it's oh, yeah, algae, yeah. algae full. But it gets rid of the algae having the chlorine in it. That's right. It does. Well, what's going on? Says I. Oh, okay. So, uh, so then I'm looking up like, well, when's the pool opening? Saturday. Oh, okay. So it's only like Saturday. <laughs> like I assumed we'd be deep into June. Oh, okay. Before you'd ever see the pool. Right. But yeah, no, yeah. they're opening like, you know, end of May. Nice. Yeah. So That's it's opening uh, It's opening uh, tomorrow. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Because you love that pool. I do love that pool very much. Oh, like it's going to be cold. But uh, it's a heated pool. So that sure, part's sure, nice. Sure, sure. Uh, so yeah, they keep it so, to a brisk sixty-eight degrees. Yeah, I, I, if if we weren't going to uh, that's some Fahrenheit, everyone. Our, yeah, if we weren't going to our friend's place after the uh, con tomorrow, I would go swimming. But I will go swimming on uh, on Sunday. I think that would be a great thing to do after you go to the after the con. Yeah, because that's a great feeling. Oh yeah, that's a great feeling. I remember, I'll never forget. It, it's it's like etched into my mind, like yeah. racial memory. My children's children will remember it. We went to, my parents took me to the Abbotsford Air Show, my brothers and I, to the Abbotsford Air Show, okay. which I hated. Sure. I hated so much because it was so noisy, so noisy. And I'm not really like a fan of airplanes or anything. So. And no one crashed. Well, yeah, that's also was a, I guess, a downer, I suppose. And there so, is the occasional crash. Uh, there is, you're right. Yeah. They were, show, they were, they, they were showing off the Harrier jet at the, uh, at that year at the, and well, I'll say one thing about the Harrier jet is that it is fucking noisy. <laughs> And so I went and sat in our car, my mom, my dad's car, even though it was like the middle of summer, and I was like, I was like dying like a dog inside this car. I had the windows all rolled up, right? Because I just couldn't stand the noise. You but, were the kid that was going to die, and then everyone would blame your folks. Like, yes, that's they right. left him in the hot car. They left him in the hot car. They'd be like, he went in there of his own free will. I don't even know what he's doing there because I couldn't stand the noise. So, but we got home, and I was just like, I was like, felt so grubby and sure. all the dust and everything in the air there, and then sitting in the car and being all sweaty, got home and like, I basically like, as I ran through the house, I stripped off all my clothes and then <laughs> jumped into the pool and it felt so wonderful. So wonderful. It's like yeah. this cool balm of like, ah, oh, so nice. Also that, that afternoon, my friend who I'd met when I first moved to Delta and then had moved away to Ontario had just moved back and phoned me that day saying, Hey, I'm back in, oh, I'm nice. back in town. I'm going to I'm going to Siakum now, and I'm like we're going to Siakum. We can't be friends. Click. <laughs> so you ran and you jumped in the pool again. <laughs> Gotta watch that phone call. <laughs> no, we were friends for a year. Then his mom got transferred back to Ontario. Aww. But yeah, no, it was. Uh, I was. I can't remember. I just, it's such a wonderful feeling. So yeah, I'm just saying you'll. I think I will. And it's going to be 20 degrees like, then. So yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. we'll see how it goes. No, no, it'll be fine. Yeah, I I agree. It'll be fine. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm hoping that the change rooms are back. Yeah, I think they will be. I Not think they get will change be. in the pool. Uh, you gotta. Kinda, That's always awkward. You just gotta find a place where you can sort of change a little bit. <laughs> someone you know. gets someone to hold a towel around you. There's a lot of people that do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, we've but, all been parents. I yeah. guess you haven't, but many of us. I have not. Many of our listeners have. So yeah, they know the score. Or we've all been. We've all had parents who have held towels around us as we 
This is Did also a quick true. Change, yeah. Quick change of the beach. Huh? Huh? Hey, oh, huh? Ooh, look at that. There's a split. It's higher, higher. <laughs> no, no, dear. <laughs> that should be over my head. It's about time that we had the talk. Not now. <laughs> Not now. And so on and so As you can forth. tell, my voice hasn't even changed. Yeah, so anyway, that was a pleasant uh, thing. Speaking of pools. Yeah, that's a good thing. Anyway, and uh, so I'm pro pool. Pro pool is what I am. Mm. And I'm, so uh, we'll see what happens with uh, these uh, pool protesters. I may have to go and protest pro pool while they're <laughs> anti pool. <laughs> I'm going to put some signs up that say yes to pool. I think I'm going to dress as Neptune. Uh, sure. I do have a Neptune sure. outfit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because we do have, we did a sketch once uh, for Titmouse. Yeah. Uh, that do you, do you know the sketch? Probably. Okay. Very good. It's a guy who uh, is uh, uh, computer breaks and he uh, prays to Poseidon because that was the only god he could think of. It oh, okay. uh, just came to mind. Okay. And Poseidon can't really help with a no, computer very much, yeah. but he's trying to do all the things that he could possibly <laughs> did you, do. Did you, did you try turning it off and on again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just that and he tries other things. And it's just like, uh, but sure. then he eventually like tries to help and he just gets it wet and yeah. burns it. And it's like, yeah. oh, forget it. Yeah. I am Poseidon. Really. Yeah, I'm just Poseidon. That's a re- if you maybe thought of calling, like, Hera, she could have probably helped Diana. And then one of our first shows we ever did at uh, uh, at, at this restaurant, whose name uh, escapes me at the moment, because uh, uh, unfortunately I've seen I've seen too many of the different names that it's had. It's yeah, I can't remember like, what it was. Over and over and over now. again, yeah. It was the Hennessy once. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, many other things. Yeah. Uh, but, like, uh, we're, we're going to do that sketch, and then we go to the basement to, to uh, rehearse, and there's a giant Poseidon head there. Oh. Like a gigantic Poseidon head. You were Poseidon to... yourself. Yeah. And I was like, hey. <laughs> all works out great. Um, yeah. We used to come down quite a bit to watch those shows. It was fun. Our daughters had an odd upbringing, but a good upbringing. I this saw, was another thing. a lot of live comedy as kids. That is good. Uh, I, there, uh, there was also an interesting thing, too, about the kids in the hall that I was like, ah, I relate to this as well. Which is, you know, we do we do a lot of different new sketches like every time. So, you know, you don't really have the greatest hits that you're like, no, this is going to work. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the hit-miss ratio is what it is. And sometimes, like, sketches wouldn't work, mm-hmm. you know, but one or two would, like, be like, wow, good. Uh, <laughs> and it was like, okay. And I really appreciated that I was with other performers who were, like, game for doing this stuff. Yeah. But it was like, okay. So every one of these shows isn't really the real ba-boom that, you know, you would be like, yeah. But it's still very fun to do, and I enjoyed the challenge and everything about it. Uh, and then our friend Roman uh, asked us to open for him, and we took the best sketches from like six shows. Yeah, and it was a baboom. Yeah, because yeah, you just uh, you, you you do the full length thing, then you know which ones are the the killers. Take the killers out, put a bunch of killers together, and then just adjust it so that it balances out well. And uh, and there you go. And I was like, oh, and and I think all of us were like, oh. That's how you do it, huh? It's like, yeah, that's how you do it. Like, okay. And that was the same thing with the kids in the hall. Every one of their shows, like at the Rivoli, would be like, yeah, some stuff's good, some stuff's okay, and some yeah. stuff's right. And then they had to do like a best of show, and they went, oh, this is how you, yeah, okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Oh, this is a continuous peel yeah, of Yeah, we have it's enough nice. material that like you can mm-hmm. select and choose, and here we are. And yeah, it was interesting, but that they didn't know it either. Yeah, uh, was yeah. was was interesting. I think my daughters were at that show as well. Yeah, and I always like hearing the story of uh, of of Scott. What at the they were at the Rivoli? 
No, the Rivoli, but at at, at the Ro- the Roman Roman show. thing, yeah. Show, yeah. Uh, the uh, yeah, I was like, you, your daughters weren't at the Rivoli shows. That <laughs> uh, would have been too young. That's a that's a dirty rotten lie. Yes, I'm a big liar. Right you cut me out. But I do like that uh, the general story about like how Scott joined the group, which was he was a heckler, and he just started throwing <laughs> shit at the stage while saying to his friends, "I'm going to be part of this group one day." <laughs> It was just such a childlike thing where it's just like, I want to be so part of this that yeah. I can't control myself and I've got... Ah! Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like, yeah, you ended up joining the group. I read the book. Yeah. I throw in donuts. <laughs> <laughs> one of the thing about uh, box office game, a little while ago, one of the answers was Wedding Crashers. Okay. And I think it was 2008. And I was like, I took my daughters to see that movie in 2008? <laughs> That is so crazy because they were so young. And then I, because I remember when we went to see it, we were the only ones laughing in the theater. Okay. It wasn't like a huge crowd, but I think everyone was so nervous that there were two small girls in the, in the crowd that they had a hard time laughing at the, the crude comedy they were watching. And so it was just like super quiet, just only us laughing at it. And it was really kind of odd. Did you do last night's uh, box office? Yesterday's? Yeah. Like from 2019? Well, that was today's. Yeah, yeah, we did it. Oh, okay. We yeah, we nice. boomed through that one at work today. Yeah, I do it. I do it in the lunchroom with everybody because it's oh, so okay, fun to play nice with, with with a bunch of guys. So, depends how many people are there, and everyone has their specialties. It's good. The younger guys are very helpful because I, I I'm old and white, so I have a hard time when it's like an ice cube movie and stuff like that. I it's like I don't know. That's like outside of my demographic. Yeah, I just don't know those movies at all. Yeah, ice cube is a tough all. one because it's it's almost like you know. Uh, is it, uh, are we there yet? Yeah, are we uh, done don't yet? Go, don't go there. Yeah. Uh, Friday, Friday, <laughs> Friday two, Friday, another Friday. There's a barbershop yeah, one. Yeah, one more Friday, yeah. barbershop. <laughs> wait, no, wait, beauty beauty shop. Yeah. Because he cameos in yeah. beauty shop. With, or if there's a Medea one, you're just like, I, like, gosh, I don't know, sorry. Like, yeah, that's a big I'm just guessing. Of, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of different That's movies. a lot of. Is this Medea's Halloween? Or what oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> This is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nothing, I don't, it's nothing against those movies. It's just, you know, they're just not my bag. So, you know. Yeah, there was one that was like, uh, it was either like 85 or 86. And uh, Oh, that was an easy one. What? 86. Yeah, yeah. Usually, except for there was like a Chuck Norris one. Yeah, yeah. Was there and it was like, nope. Uh, fi- uh, Firewalker. Uh, okay. Yeah, with, uh, who's in that one with him? Luke Gossett Jr. Firewalker. With Directed, me. strangely, by uh, Lee J. Thom- or J. Lee, J. Lee Thompson. Who's a British director? Oh, who directed Cape Fear? And that's what all that he directed oh, okay. was any good. Right. If you look at the rest of his career, it's just like one giant garbage fire. But Cape Fear was one of the answers a while ago too. Oh <laughs> uh, well, for the for the Scorsese one, yeah, yeah, not because they did it was a remake of the original, not the classic, classic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you see, that was where I was lucky because one of the guys in our group is a, a little older than us, and he's a big lover of those kind of movies. Like he's like you know Mr. Like Canon action movies. Kind of a guy. So whatever those come up, I'm like, oh, this is canon. This is for you, Mike. <laughs> All right. Who is this? Who's the first actor? Okay. You're going to love this. You're going to love it. You're going to know it right away. Chuck Norris, 1986. He's like, oh, oh, that's the, that's the one. It's like, uh, like it's kind of like an Indiana Jones one. What is it called? What is it called? It's like Fire, Firewalker. First he said Firewalkers, which wasn't it. Yeah. Or, or no, he said Firewalker, but it was Firewalkers. There's two different movies. One was wrong. One was right. I'm going to repeat a story I've told before. Please I'm, uh, watch. I'm at uh, Vancouver East East Cinema, I think. Yep. Uh, and uh, and uh, about to watch. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, rest in power. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm with my friend Bruce. Yep. And uh, we're about to watch uh, Superman Four: Quest for Peace. 
my condolences. And uh, and so like, oh, looking forward to this. Like, uh, you know, maybe they'll uh, uh, make it back from like the third film, which wasn't good. So we're <laughs> sitting down. Is it the Vanny Cinema? It was Vanny Cinema. What is the cinema that uh, yeah is uh, like? Uh, sorry, uh, it's like Georgia and uh, and Granville, and then it's like there's the London Drugs there, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that wasn't the, the, that wasn't the well, it that was something the, east. There was an east in the title. I don't the title. remember. What it, was. it was like it was like Granville Cinemas or something like that. Ooh, okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. We saw um we saw the uh, one saw of the Roger mini, Rabbit there. And the but we, we also Evasion of the Body Snatchers with uh, the 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 third remake of it. The one directed by Abel Ferrara. Oh, okay. You and me saw that one there. Right. At that, those cinemas. I think they were Granville Cinemas though. By the way, yeah. East End Cinemas was a repertory cinema on the kind of corner of commercial and yeah and, you're uh, correct broadway you're correct by the way my body snatchers uh fanfic is this okay uh every one of the body snatchers movies goes yeah. on okay and they all happen in the same reality okay but what happens is yeah so the body snatchers snatch the bodies yeah they're like ah we're the aliens we're gonna take over yeah but they're too good yeah and so uh they forget that they're aliens <laughs> And then they just start living the lives of the people. Yeah. And then every and then like the the alien race goes. Uh, it's like, hey, what happened to that planet we're supposed to take over? <laughs> oh, it didn't take over. Oh, something must have gone wrong. Let's go back. <laughs> they go and they take over again. But like we're so complicated or something. Yeah, yeah. That like you know again they try to take us over and then they forget. So like Donald Sutherland is just like ah. And yeah. then wait, I'm Donald Sutherland. And, just keeps <laughs> Sutherland. and they just keep so we've been aliens for like so long and we just don't know it. I'm just trying to, isn't he like a like a health inspector in that movie? I'm Donald not sure. Sutherland? I'm not sure, but it's almost a surprise okay. to me that Leonard Nimoy's in it. Yes, he's very good in it. He's very good in it. And then it has um that actress who's Jessica Cartwright, who's always looks scared. Yes. But very good in that movie. It as is well. a very good movie. So there's like movies she's made for, like Alien. Vision of the Body Snatchers. So, so uh, okay, so I'm sitting, watch in this movie that we cannot remember the name of the theater. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm watching, uh, and uh, Superman 4 starts, and uh, uh, the title, uh, the production title, Canon, uh, comes up, and, uh, and, and Bruce goes, oh, no! Oh, this is going to be terrible! And he just says it like that loud in the theater, and uh, he was not wrong. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to see if they had a kind of a, a memory of that cinema, but I, one day we'll have to we'll do a deeper dive into it and yeah. see if we can figure it out. But yeah, no, those were not the best cinemas in the world, but uh, they were there. Yeah, you know, they're at a time when you could have a cinemas in a in the back of a coat room and people would go see it. Yeah, because like the on uh, like when we grew up, we would we would live close to New Westminster, and that was kind of my parents' jam. Like they grew up in Burnaby. New West was kind of like. A place they went to a lot, and so their lives were very much centered around Columbia Street and in New Westminster. And so we always went there, like shoe shopping, or when school was supplies were needed, we went to Army Navy in New Westminster. And we also went to the movies there. There was two theaters: there was the Paramount and there was the Columbia. And at some point, when you know multiplexes became a thing, the Columbia Theater it divided itself up into two smaller cinemas. Okay, yeah. And so there was one, like, kind of the, the main one. I'll put that in quotation marks. Because these were old cinemas, like old-fashioned ones. And then there was one that they turned the balcony into a smaller cinema, which was hmm. kind of weird. I remember going to see All the Right Moves there, the Tom Cruise film. Okay, all right. The You know, during his year year of success, when, like, three different movies came out with him in, in it that year. Um, Risky Business, All the Right Moves. Right. And one other one. We were past losing it, eh? 
I don't think losing it. Losing it was before Risky Business. No. Yeah. Losing it. Losing it. Yeah. It might have been made before, but I don't think it came out before Risky Business. Yeah, I think it did. He, let me let me take a look. He was had a, he was in Taps. Losing it was 1983, and that was Tom Cruise, Shelley Long, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, and uh, and Risky Business. Yeah. I think Risky Business was 84. It was also 83. Was also 83. Okay, yeah. so it was, yeah. So, all right, let's see Let's see which technically uh, came out first. I am very, uh, I'm very interested. I have a feeling that All the Right Moves and Losing It were films that were kind of sitting on studio shelves, and when Risky Business proved to be a hit, they jumped out They jumped out of the, the woodwork. Okay, so Risky Business yeah. uh, came out August 5th, 1983. Okay. okay. Let's see when <laughs> Losing It, uh, that wonderful, wonderful film. I've never seen that. I've never even heard of it. Losing It came out April 8th, 1983. Wow. Yeah. I don't even remember that movie. Yeah, though I, I'm remembering it uh, with uh, Crispin Glover in it, which uh, is incorrect. Mm, mm. Uh, but yeah, Jackie Earl Haley and Tom Cruise and Shelley Long. Wow. Yeah. And he would have just been like a minor... A no name in that movie. Four teenagers from mid nineteen sixties L.A. The Outsiders also came out that year as well. Wow, he did a lot of movies that year. Yeah. Um, uh, so here's the plot: uh, Four teenagers from mid sixties uh, Los Angeles are on their way to Tijuana. Tijuana. Yeah. Uh, Dave, Woody, Spider, and Wendell, <laughs> and uh, they're all there to lose their virginity. Of course they were. Except for Wendell, mm. who was there to buy fireworks. <laughs> I'm Wendell. Yeah. They end up picking up a woman named Kathy. Who goes with them because she wants a fast divorce from her husband, and they get into a series of hijinks south of the border. Uh, okay, losing it, huh? Yep. There's a, there's a car in the poster, and then a <laughs> pair of sexy legs above the car. Oh, okay, very nice. Yeah, huh. that's very weird. How many? Uh, so that's four films. movies in one year. Yeah, yeah, that is very weird. Because he had a bit part in some movie like Endless Love or some kind of name like that. Okay, in '81, then he did Taps. In 82. That's right, yeah. Which is a, I don't think it's a great movie, but he is great in that movie. Like, there is no character on earth that you hate more than that character in that movie. Yeah, you're oh right. Gosh. Endless Love and Taps was 81. And then 83 was The Outsiders. Yeah. Then Losing It, then Risky Business, then All the Right Moves. Wow. And Risky well, Business was the breakup well, film. What was his next film after that? Before, to- between. Because uh, Top Gun would have been. Top Gun was uh, 85. Yeah. Sorry, 86. But in '85, he did another movie, and it made uh, it, it made the the girl I was with at the time very happy. We went to see a movie, and they were like, "Oh, I don't, I don't like this. What's this about?" And then it was like his name came up. Oh, <laughs> and then the villain's name came up, and she was whoa. She was so happy. What movie? It's like both of them, uh, Legend. Oh, Legend. That's right. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Tim Rice doing the... Or Tim Curry, I should say. Tim, Tim Curry, Curry doing, yeah, the, yeah, doing the, this, the devil. Uh, demon. Very, very good looking... I think that movie is very boring and, and dull. It's a Ridley Scott film, so of course it's boring and yeah, dull. Yeah. But, With uh, good people in it, though. I like yeah. Mia Sarah as well. Who? who, who? She's... Uh, you would know her best uh, from um, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. But uh, I like okay. her like all these bit parts and whatever uh-huh. that she's done. Uh-huh. She also... Uh, okay. She was one of the only good parts of the Birds of Prey TV show. I see. Uh, she I played, see the uh, She played Dr. Quinzel. Oh, Poison Ivy. No. Oh, Oh, sorry, Harley Quinn. That would be right. That's the clue. <laughs> Dr. Otto Octavius. The Vulture? No. <laughs> that took me a second. You know, I'm not a, no expert. Okay. And, of course, Time Cop. Time Cop. Yeah. 
Time Cop. I don't remember that movie. Time Cop was uh, a Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, oh. film, which is most fun for me yes. because the opening scene takes place in uh, the mall that I used to go to that was near my uh, old apartment that I would go shopping in all the time ah. for groceries. Yeah. And so there's a person who does a purse snatching in the mall mm. and Jean-Claude Van Damme stops the purse <laughs> snatching because the purse snatcher uh, is on rollerblades. Yes. And grabs a purse. And then uh, it turns like, oh, and Jean-Claude has his leg up and his foot is out. And yeah. the guy just barely stops without going into Jean-Claude Van Damme's foot. I see. And it's like, oh, 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 thank you for stopping this uh, <laughs> uh, robbery of a purse in a mall. <laughs> and then there's uh, time travel. Hmm. I don't Be- know that. Movie. Because when you're a martial artist, yeah. eventually yes. you have to fight yourself. That's I just see. all yes, martial that artists is eventually right. have to fight themselves. Yes, yeah. you're right. Much like Jet Li in that movie, The One. We all remember oh. that one. Oh, that's interesting. That I, I, I did know she was, uh, sorry, Mia Sarah was married to Brian Henson, who's the oldest son of Jim Henson. I see, yeah. But she was also married at one point to Jason Connery, son of Sean Connery. Well, she likes yeah. to marry uh, the scions of, uh, of uh, powerful fathers. Why not? Who doesn't? <laughs> if I had a chance, I sure would. <laughs> nice scion. That's pretty good. And so on and so forth. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I'm, it's only a word I've only ever read. David, er, earlier today. Earlier today? We talked about Tubi. Yes, we did. Now, uh, would... You make it sound like it was this afternoon, but... Yeah, I kind of make it... <laughs> earlier today. Uh, now, and also on the show. You've got a pet project yeah. you've been doing on this show. Yes, I do. Where you've been watching Tubi. Let's you've not call been it watching a, a specific uh, mm-hmm. uh, soap opera from the 70s. And 60s. you've been report From the 60s, yeah. Oh, we're not at the 70s yet? No, not at all. And we're and you've been reporting back on it. <laughs> yes, that's right. I've been time traveling myself. Right. The 60s returning. is where losing it takes place. It, it, is that right? So is this a soap opera yeah. about uh, teenagers yes. uh, losing their virginity oh, and buying I wish, fireworks? I wish. I wish that's what it was about. No, this is a soap opera about adults uh, not losing their virginity. Okay. Well, I would like to hear uh, about it. Now, pretend that I'm not going to the bathroom right <laughs> All right. Oh, well, like, I would pretend, but you oh, just... You, what? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, 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 my foot's in the toilet. Don't tell anybody. All right. Thank, thank you for crashing and banging your way out, oh. out of the room. <laughs> Very subtle. No one will notice you left. Um, all right, everyone. It's time, as Ian said, it's time for Dork Shadows. And where do we leave off? You're asking, because that was two weeks ago, and who can remember? Well, in case you do remember, or I mean, in case you don't remember, last week, um, uh, Laura, the returned, uh, what we call her, unfaithful wife of Edward, uh, confronts Quentin, her former lover, in a cottage where she's supposed to move into, where Quentin had gone to to uh, attempt to, to call upon Angelique to come and help him. And... Laura arrives and they have a little bit of a of a bit of a talk, a bit of a bit of a I don't know what you would call it, a little confrontation. And he decides the best way to prove that she is dead is by strangling her until she is dead again. So he starts to strangle her, and uh, suddenly, of course, he's trying to strangle her, which is oh, I was thinking about this. This is the most popular way to kill someone or attempt to kill someone on Dark Shadow on Dark Shadows. They did it. They did do one. In my experience of the show, they've done one person shot at, like shot and killed. But when they did that effect, the uh, flash of the gun and the sound of the gun were, were not synchronized. 
So I guess they decided that was too difficult to do, and so they just returned to the good old-fashioned strangulation as the always go-to. I think a knife would be too, you know, like, I imagine, like, all the sets were the size of postage stamps, mm-hmm. all kind of squished together on a soundstage, so it would have seemed too dangerous to have people, you know, people trying to fight with knives. And so whenever you want someone killed, strangle them. And so Quentin is strangling Laura Collins, and she is, uh, she's saying, I can't <laughs> And then uh, he's suddenly engulfed in a bright light, which not only lights him up, but also causes him intense pain. And he's like, he's like, uh, he, uh, he's like, I can't just do it. And he's like, he's like, has to sit in a chair and he's all like in pain and agony. <laughs> and then he, he's blaming Laura and she's like, I'm not doing this. I, I don't know what's going on here myself. <laughs> and, uh, but she takes this moment while he's in intense agony to remind him that, it was he who betrayed her in Egypt, who turned her over to the quote-unquote fire priests in Egypt. And in case you didn't know, in Egypt in the late 19th century, they apparently were still doing human sacrifices. At least the fire priests were. And mm-hmm. so, uh, as you know, and then after she mentions this to him that he was responsible for her death, you know, like if she if he she really is dead as mm-hmm. he claims, he is the person responsible for her death. Because he turned her over to these people who then okay. burned her alive in great and intense pain. And then when she says this, she then walks out, leaving him in intense pain. Meanwhile, a tearful Rachel, and let me just remind everyone, because I know that I'm piling a lot, a, lot of, a lot of information every week. Rachel is the governess hired by Edward to look after his children, Jameson and, and Nora. And right now she is uh, being uh, hounded by the Reverend Trask who, in some kind of weird psychosexual way, cannot let go of whatever meager, way, you know, attachments he has to her. Like, he wants to dig his claws deep into Rachel. And he's mentioned, mentioned many times that she's attractive. Okay. But also that she is a murderess and, <laughs> and has stolen from him. And so, uh, I guess he's talking to her on the phone, and, and she's trying to, like, you know, plead for some more time or whatever. And uh, she really... You know, when, you know, this show is very, I think, realistic in its relationship of an abused, abused person to the abuser is that that person never loses their power over them. And even if it seems ridiculous to us that she gives in to him so quickly, you know, she did, as a child, go through the experience of having this incredible bully, right. bully her her entire it's life. It's a very vampire trope. You know? <laughs> yeah. But this isn't even a vampire. This is Trask. Uh, who's yeah, a, yeah you but know, we're going with like kind of a... Yeah, yeah, okay, I see what you mean. Um, but Barnabas, speaking of vampires, walks in on her conversation. And he's very upset that she is in the enthralled to this person. And she explains that when she left the school, she only took the money that was owed to her. But this has been misconstrued by the Trasks as theft. And they want, this, they want her to come back and work off her debt to the school. Boo. Um, but as she's talking to Barnabas, who should be sympathetic to her story, he's not paying very much attention to it. He seems very distracted, and he's as if he's hearing something off, you know, something calling to him off, off camera. He finally excuses himself at the cottage where Quentin's laying, maybe dead? I don't know. He's unconscious. Angelique awaits Barnabas. Okay. When he arrives at the cottage to find her, He's surprised to also find, yes, an unconscious Quentin. Angelique offers a bargain to him, Quentin's life, for his pledge to love her. That's not how you do it. 
That's how Angelique does it. Because she's evil. Yeah. She doesn't understand how emotions work. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, so she's not she's not she doesn't think like I have to earn your trust and your love by proving to you that I'm a good person. Yeah, I mean, save your life, but then you got to mow my lawn. Yeah. For like every, every every weekend for yeah. like a year. Yeah. That's yeah. more realistic. But love me, you can't. You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, Barnabas is, of course, disgusted by this. But she points out that Quentin and David are... And, of course, this is like a little bit of one of those kind of like uh, hocus-pocus things they do in, in TV shows where they're like, ah, but you must... Because of this rule, we're just making up right on the spot. Because Quentin and David, David in the future and Quentin in the past, are psychically bonded. And if Quentin dies, David will die in the future. Which you're like, that's not how. That's not how. That's not how time works. works. Unless you believe in time the way that I believe in time. Wait, are we talking? Okay, you, you, Dave Dedrick. Yes, me, Dave Dedrick. All right, hit me with it. Is that time is happening simultaneously at all times? So time isn't a linear line that's stretching out. It is a like a pole okay. where everything is happening simultaneously in one okay. at one moment. So is uh, is this podcast done then? This podcast is done and also okay. hasn't happened All yet. Right. Well, oh no! I'll hit back and get ready to do that. I and wonder if anyone has ever called Barnabas Barney. Hey Barney! No, I don't think I think get killed. Me, yeah, they would kill even if he wasn't a vampire. That he, yeah, he should be allowed killed. to kill them. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah, okay, it's pretty much right. a, a legal precedent. I think it's one of the amendments in the American Constitution. Um, but yeah, so I think, but you know, looking at time in that way, it allows for time travel because you can move outside of that dimension and 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 you know, well, you can time travel, but you can't affect time, right? You can affect it because it's all happening simultaneously. So whatever right. you do is also it can also affect, affect everything at the same affect time. everything at the same time. Yeah, it's, right. it's, okay. it's a simultaneous snap that's happening. Right. That everything's happening in that moment. Um. So. Uh, so yes, David will die. So Barnabas obviously has no choice but to agree to her terms. So yes, I will quote unquote love you, and you bring Quentin back to life, so we can continue this weird thing that Quentin has to die starving to death in a room so that uh, we can figure out how what he's doing in the future or whatever it's okay. going on. Like, it seems kind of odd to me that the idea is I'm going to f- to stop Quentin killing David in the future by getting him to do exactly the same thing that he did in the past. How will that change the future? It's just kind of weird. Like, I don't know. Anyway. They have some interesting time travel ideas in this. <laughs> they do have interesting time it's travel. It's also interesting that they just yeah. decided to make a vampire show about time travel. <laughs> yeah. I think the original idea I think the original idea was to temper Barnabas's character because they felt like a they felt like yes to have an evil villain is good for like a short yeah storyline but if you want to have a continuation of that character you need to soften him a bit. It almost feels like that what they would have rather have done is uh have like a time lord and just like this is a time lord, and so we're no, gonna time I don't think that's what things. they. I think what they wanted to do with with the original time travel thing was just to create like a backstory for a tragic backstory for Barnabas. So you'd be like, ah, well, it's not his fault that he's a vampire. He got turned into a vampire by some evil witch who cursed him, and now he, you know, it's not like he asked to be a vampire or he was always a vampire. He was once a very nice person who was very fair to, you know, was well-known and well-loved by everyone who knew him, and then ended up in this horrible situation where his entire family was killed. So he has no free will right now? No, as a vampire, he has no free will. It's not his choice to be a vampire. And well, as a I vampire, mean, he talks about that when he returns to the past uh, in the second tra- time travel sequence. He says to um, the servant character, whose name I can't remember now, but he says to him, you know, 
I'm already losing. He's, he kind of barks at him. He says, "Oh, I'm already losing my my person to the yeah. to who to the vampire, you know. And pretty soon I won't be able to be good. I can only be a vampire, you know." That's a weird thing because, like, if your lead has no uh, free will, that's a weird dramatic choice to make. Well, I mean, he has free will, but he does he. He's he, he's trapped. He if he can't be good, well, no, he can't be good. That's true. But I mean, he is good though. Like he does good things, but yeah. he's also a. I mean, I mean, the, that's the show in the later. That's why he's not a vampire though in the in the other right. show. And even in this, they kind of really temper that element of that character because he's he is making like good choices here. He's not choosing. He's choosing not to kill people if he can and, okay. and stuff like that. I mean, he, he has been tempted, of course. Yeah. All right. Um. Where where are we, everyone? Werewolf. Oh yes, back at Collinwood, Rachel introduces herself to Laura Collins. Everyone knows that Laura Collins is Edward's unfaithful wife, right? Anyway, she tells Laura that her children have been packed off to a to trash school without any without even Laura knowing this. And and it's a, uh, but when she hears this, Laura becomes incoherent and loses consciousness. Oh. Um, and she's laying there. She's like laying on the couch, and she's and she's you know obviously out of it. But you see like you see a uh, scene of a of an urn with a flame burning in it, okay. kind of superimposed over her. All right. And you hear her you hear her thoughts, and in her mind she's pledging, she's praying to the god Ra, Ra Ra. <laughs> and uh, and then we kind of cut from that to later on. Rachel is coming downstairs where we get the familiar three knocks on the door. No one comes to Collinwood, and yes, they always knock every time. Right. Just like that. The postman always rings twice. The postman, he always knocks three times. And knock three times on the ceiling if you want me. If you want, if knock three times on the door if you want in. Yeah, okay. that's a famous song. Knock three times on the door if you want in. If you come to haunt in. If it's a food Colin delivery, Wood. then just leave it aside. <laughs> um, so, of course, Rachel answers the door because that would not keep the scene going along. But it's Barnabas. <laughs> it's Barnabas who's come with Angelique. And Angelique is playing the role of the simpering fiance. Okay. Has come in all, she's all sugar. Butter wouldn't melt in her mouth, you know. And okay. uh, she, uh, so he unwillingly introduces, because, of course, Let's not forget that this show has also been attempting to shoehorn in a, a Barnabas-Rachel romance, which is gross and, and very off-putting, but they just can't seem to resist the idea that, oh, we must have Barnabas, you know, trying to find his, his uh, Josette. So that's what Rachel kind of becomes in the storyline, because once again, played by the actress who played Josette. So we always can play off that resemblance to Josette and, and Barnabas's feelings for her from the past it, you know transporting them on into the present and uh, onto the actress the original actress who played that role and so here he is after kind of making goo eyes at at Rachel and kind of leading her into this idea that you know he's sort of a knight in shining armor who will come to her rescue uh, no actually here's my fiance who I didn't mention before and here she is now uh, yes this uh, evil uh, woman who will kill you as soon as look at you, uh, my fiance Angelique, and then of course Angelique is all like, "Oh, you didn't introduce me." I know so this, you know, and so yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's like, "Oh, Rachel, this is my fiance, who of course I had to agree to in order to keep yeah. Quentin alive, because it, of course it was Angelique who had the beam of light and was killing Quentin because she wants to she wants to um, 
get into Barnabas's pants of all places. <laughs> That's an odd choice. So Angelique attempts to to uh, kind of befriend Rachel to be like, oh, you know, I, you know, you like Barnabas, I like Barnabas, we all like Barnabas together, and isn't that make us friends? And Rachel's like, yeah, whatever, and she leaves. <laughs> And so she's outside on on the, uh, I just want to call it a patio, but that's not what it is. Whatever the name for the, an area outside of a house where there's a fountain. And she's sitting on the fountain, upset. And, and Barnabas comes to her to apologize, basically, for Angelique being in existence. And he attempts to, like, explain to her that this is a necessity and that, you know, it's not really what he wants. But she doesn't understand why this is a necessity and he can't explain it to her. But please trust him, blah, blah, blah. And it's not very, you know. Meanwhile, Angelique revives Quentin. And she confesses to him that she caused his death. Because he's just a pawn in her game as Barnabas's fiancé. And of course, he's like, what? We are Barnabas's fiancé. That explains nothing. But Quentin, she's like, Quentin says, I was calling to you and you didn't come. You just tried, you just killed me instead of, you know. As you remember do. we talked earlier and you said if I needed you to call you and you'd come. I didn't quite know that meant that you'd trying to beam a light on me and kill me. But... <laughs> Uh, she's like, well, what's your, you know, what did you want? And he says, I want you to get rid of Laura Collins. I want you to kill her Ugh. and get rid of her. Or at least get rid of her because she's already dead. Right. Um, so Angelique uses her magic to discover Laura's secret, which is that there is an urn with a flame, with an eternal flame, and that flame is Laura Collins' life. And so if that flame is extinguished, Laura will die. Mm-hmm. And Quinn is like, well, where is it? And she's and Angelique says, that's not going to make the show fun if I just tell you where it is. So I'm not going to tell you. You have to find out for yourself. I've done all I can for you. And so then she leaves and he leaves. And then Laura is in the drawing room, engrossed in the fire. Yes, she's staring at the fire. There's a lot of fire around her. And she hears strange muttering voices while she's staring at it. Yeah, kind of very deep. is good. Meanwhile, Quentin is in her room searching for this urn, which seems kind of odd that she would keep it in her bedroom. You know, here's my life. Maybe I'll just put it in a sock drawer. But he is searching through there. And then she suddenly appears. And he's like, what? Weren't you downstairs in the drawing room? How did you get here so fast? And uh, he claims that he is looking for some letters he'd sent her. And Laura laughs. She laughs at the idea. Like, seriously, has a good old chuckle. Like a hearty laugh. Like a knee slapper. A knee slapper at the idea that letters from him would be important enough that she would keep them. She just says to him, I burned those letters. But she doesn't believe her. But he's angered by the fact that she's laughing. Now, Judith, old puritanical Judith, is listening outside the door. We haven't seen Judith for a while. But she enters, and she's unhappy that Laura and Quentin are together by themselves in a room. Because, well, we know that they've already been up to no good. I guess they're up to no gooder. (laughs) And she, uh, you know, despite the fact that they both are like, I would you know, rather have sex with a barge pole that I'm trying to touch her, you know, not touch her with than uh, have anything to do with this woman. But she's like, nope, this is no good. And so Quentin leaves. And uh, then Judith attempts to talk to Laura, but Laura is completely contemptuous of her and, you know, points out that you never liked me. You were jealous of me. Okay. You were jealous of all the women that men brought to the house. You were jealous of me. You were jealous of Jenny. And she asks after Jenny and Judith will not tell her. She says, I don't know, I don't know, you know, 
She says, oh, I know you have Jenny, but where, you know, where is she? She goes, I don't know where she is. She's, of course, lying. Um, and then, of course, she, she says, what do you care about Jenny? You know, you're the one who had an affair with her husband and destroyed her life. Zang. Yeah. <laughs> Ba-boom. Uh, after Judith leaves, Laura opens a sideboard. And goes, awkward. <laughs> That's right. What was I told a thing? Uh, she opens a sideboard and takes out a small urn. And you're like, why are you keeping it in your room? In like the, in just like a, like a desk. Um, meanwhile, back outside. Quentin is cooling his heels outside Collinwood. He is approached by Magda. Hooray, Magda's back. And Quentin tells Magda that, just so everyone knows, Magda is the fortune teller. She and her husband, Sandor, are kind of the uh, slaves. She's not a slave, but Sandor is a blood slave to, to Quentin, and Oof. or to Barnabas, I mean. And, and so, um, you know, they're kind of working on the Barnabas side of things. But uh, Magda comes up to him, and then Quentin tells Magda that Laura is moving into the cottage, and he wants Magda to volunteer to help. And while she is doing so, to find the urn and bring it back to him. Pretty simple request. Especially if it's just inside a sideboard. Uh, back inside, Quentin meets up with Judith. She lectures him about Laura. I don't want you two together. It's no good. Okay. You guys are no good together and you're no good apart. In fact, you're both no good. He tells Judith about the letters. He says, you know, I was looking for letters. You know, I wrote her some pretty ribald letters. Some pretty, you know, hot stuff back in the day. And I think she's using those to blackmail Edward. And so he wanted to find them to, to protect Edward. And she's like, why? There's no love lost between you and Edward. He says, it's true. I do hate Edward, but I hate Laura even more. Jeez. So <laughs> I've got more than enough hate to go around. <laughs> That's right. It's like love. It can be infinitely divisible yeah, yeah, and never, yeah. never uh, diminished. Um, Rachel comes to Laura to, like, to convince her that she has to intercede on behalf of the children. Like, you have to get them out of the school. Okay. This is a cruel horrible place that's run by a bully with his bullying family that will do nothing but crush your children and laura's kind of like eh like she seems like strangely unmoved by this and and uh doesn't seem all that like bothered okay she's kind of like well thanks for telling me so long (laughs) later rachel answers the front door to find much to her horror mrs trask we learned that she's mrs trask when she says you know who i am i'm mrs trask played by clarice blackburn better known as mrs johnson but she takes on these like choice Harridan roles. She was Aunt. I can't remember her name. In uh, she was in the past. She played Aunt. Aunt she was Aunt Man. Aunt Man. <laughs> she played Aunt Man in the past thing. And she's kind of like a Margaret Hamilton kind of looking okay. lady. Very good at playing like a meanie. So she plays Mrs. Minerva Trask, and she comes in and she has come. She tells her to take Rachel back to Worthington Hall. Now, as I said. Rachel is a victim of abuse, so here is one of her abusers who's come, and she effectively accuses Rachel of theft, of murdering her brother, of murdering Mrs. Trask's brother. And she gets kind of bullies and browbeats Rachel, you know, uh, into agreeing that she will come back to um, back to um, the Worthington Hall, the school. And, of course, she reminds, she reminds Rachel that... Her brother, Mrs. Trask's brother, died the night that they escaped, and that they are that both she and Tim Shaw are responsible for the the murder, the death of her brother. So Rachel can see no escape. Like Judith comes in and she's not even a help because Mrs. Trask is like, I was talking to Rachel and saying maybe she should come back to the school because she's not needed here. The kids are gone, and Judith's like, Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so uh, basically, <laughs> Rachel leaves to go collect her stuff to, you know. Bring with her back to the school. 
And during this time, Rachel and during, well, during, uh, now, when they were having this conversation, I, I left this out because it was kind of cut in between, but, but Magda came to the, came to the house and went up to Laura to tell her that she would help her move. And, uh, and so Laura's like, cool, who asked you to volunteer? She says, doesn't matter. I volunteer anyway. And I'm like, so pretty much just kind of forces herself on her. But, um, when she leaves, um, Laura's room, she runs, runs, uh, runs into Rachel in the hallway. And after Rachel explains what's going on, the dilemma she's in, uh, Magda, you know, wants to help her. She says, well, I, I can help you. She says, you know, um, she, she reads her palm and she says, you know, I told you before that you have a, there's an evil person, like someone who has evil thoughts about you, who is in your life. She says, they're here. And basically Rachel's like, yeah, I know she's downstairs, but she offers to help her escape. Uh, meanwhile, downstairs, the clock chimes. So we know that time is passing and Rachel's like, Sorry, Judith is like, whoa, where's Rachel? What's going on here? Let me look at my clock on the wall. Yeah, time is passing. At that moment, Laura arrives, and uh, she gets to have a conversation with uh, Mrs. Trask, who's doing all that kind of, oh, you're, you know, it's so nice to meet a parent of such wonderful children. And, you know, they're there at the school learning, uh, you know, the uh, godly things and blah, blah, blah. And, and the whole time she's talking, like, uh, Laura's just eye-rolling <laughs> like crazy while this, you know, this... This uh, plain load of plain load of platitudes is dropped on her head, and um, Judith returns to inform us that Rachel is gone. So we cut to uh, Magda leading a frightened Rachel through the cemetery, and she says she knows a man who will take Rachel to Boston for money. And Rachel says, "Well, I have no money." And Magda says, "Well, give me your brooch. She had like a garnet brooch. Give me that, and I'll trade it." For money, and then we'll be able to pay this person to take you to Boston. And then Magda opens the door to the secret room in the Collins family mausoleum, uh-huh. where she puts a lonely, lonely and sad Rachel. But uh, Rachel seems more worried about the children's fate than she does about her own. So we cut to Worthington Hall, where Jameson is in trouble with Tim Shaw, the uh, friend, former friend of Rachel, former schoolmate of Rachel who once escaped with her from Worthington Hall, but was only dragged back to it with these accusations of murder and things. Yikes. And so he's sort of under the thumb of the Trasks. And he's angry at Jameson, who has handed in a spelling test with nothing written on it. And he says, you know, you'll, he says, you know, there are rules of the school, and if you don't follow them, you'll get in very big trouble. You know, and at that moment, Mr. Trask enters, or Reverend Trask enters, and, and Tim protects Jameson. You know, he says, oh, he's not in trouble. We were just talking. You know, we're just talking about something after. And uh, basically, Trask shoes Jameson out of the, the the classroom because he wants Tim to go to Collinwood and collect Rachel. And he wants Tim to go to Barnabas and tell Barnabas what a great friend he is of Rachel. So Barnabas will then tell Tim where Rachel is so Rachel can, or so Tim can bring Rachel back to Worthington. And Tim refuses. He's like, you know, hey, you know, you got me. Hey, man. You got me. I'm stuck here. I am like, I'm trapped. I'm working... I know a life of slavery as a as a you know as a, a blood slave as a as a blood slave because you have this <laughs> you have this uh, you know information over my head this accusation of murder you know that could possibly you know if it ever went to trial who knows what would happen I could get hung or whatever you know and so um, but Trask like I said he has the murder as his as his you know well don't forget you're a murderer a murderer and you will pay for that if you don't. Do what I what, what to I be want. Fair, who isn't? <laughs> but well, by this strange, uh, yeah, 
they're strange, like, what makes a murderer? My brother-in-law died that night. What did he die of? Did he die of a heart attack? Like, I, I don't know. Like, So as Trask goes to leave, he finds Jameson at the door. And he accuses Jameson of eavesdropping. When Jameson says, I forgot my pen, and Tim points out, well, his pen is on his desk here. That's not good enough for Trask. So as a punishment, Trask locks Jameson in a closet. So we got a lot of, let me out, help, help, pound, pound, pound. Magda is examining. Uh, I, you know what? I just want to, full disclosure here, guys. Yeah. In my notes, I wrote examining. Oh, no. Magda is examining thank a for, brooch. Thank you for the full disclosure. <laughs> she, she took from Ra- Rachel. When Tim Shaw arrives, he knocks on the door. And he uh, he begs Magda to allow him to see Rachel. First, he asks for Barnabas. And when she says Barnabas is not there, he begs Magda to allow him to see Rachel. Barnabas is not here, man. And he and she denies you know, she's like, I don't know who Rachel is. Rachel who? What are you talking about? Rachel? Uh, and he's like, well, the Rachel who in that brooch that you're looking at, that you left on the table here. Ooh, that one. Hey. So then he tells her he promises to bring money. He says, I have $50 for her. I'll bring it to help her escape. And she's like, well, money. That changes everything. Sure does. And so. Um, money is a real blood slave. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, back in a closet, Jameson <laughs> finds a key finds a key to open the locked door once outside though he immediately is grabbed by an angry trask who left the key there as a test and you have failed young man so as trask prepares to punish jameson tim returns i don't know how far away the school is from the they seem to be really quickly getting back and forth but anyway uh with a mixture of threats and empty pieties trask sends jameson away and tim fares no better it seems as trask bulldozes over his resolve to help Rachel. Meanwhile, trusting Rachel, agrees to see Tim, and uh, Magda will arrange everything. So later that night, Magda leads Tim through the cemetery. He gives her the $50, but she insists that he give it himself to Rachel. And she also returns the garnet brooch to him to give to her as well. She leads Tim to the mausoleum and instructs him how to get into the not-so-secret chamber. Because earlier it was a secret chamber, but like I was saying earlier in the show, secret is, you know, it's black and white. Either it's secret or it's not secret. It can't be sort of secret. If people know about it, it's no longer secret. Secret? No one knows about it. Some people know about it. Not secret. Uh, anyway, she leads Tim to the mausoleum and instructs him how to get into the not-so-secret room. He opens the door, and he and Rachel embrace. And she's so happy to see him because she loves Tim. But suddenly, there's a squeak from the metal door at the entrance of the mausoleum. And Rachel looks up to see Trask glaring at her. Dun, dun, dun. At the end of Dork Shadows. Thank you, everyone, for putting up with me no, and this good. insane project that so, may never end. What was the episode number there? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, 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 um. Let me go. Where did I start? Uh, this would be. It ended at seven thirty-five. Okay, seven thirty-five. On your AM dial. On your Tubi dial. On your Tubi dial. Go to Tubi. You can watch Paycheck with Ben Affleck, directed by John Woo, a so-so adaptation of a Philip K. Dick novel, or a short story, I should say. And he will soon be doing The Killer again. I'm not sure where, but, you know, he is. Uh, so last week... <laughs> a To Be Original. To Be Original would be a nice thing. Um, <laughs> so last week we asked you, uh, we're going to the mailbag now. Oh, question of the uh, week, everyone. What? Is, get, let's get rid of all these bills. Get those. <laughs> 
Uh, final notice. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> what is the weirdest phone call you've luckily, ever received? Luckily, you're a follower of that Queen of Canada. Do you know this person? No. Well, there's well I know the Queen of Canada. That'd be Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, you're wrong. You're wrong right there. The Queen of Canada is actually some uh, Filipino QAnon person who has declared herself the Queen of Canada and has, okay. has, has, uh, has issued several edicts. Okay. One of those being that we no longer have to pay for electricity in Canada. Okay. And so her followers are not paying their, paying their electricity. Oh. And are sending her, I guess she has like a Twitter or whatever, and they're sending like pictures of their bills and saying, you know, the, the electric company is threatening to shut off my power. What should I do? Yeah. You know, this is serious. This is actually happening. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And what, what does she say in return? I she... don't think she answers these people. Oh, right. As long as you're sending me money, I don't care what you're telling right. me. So they're not sending money to their electric bills. They're yes. sending money to her. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's not what... Okay, I'll, I'll give you this. Uh, Queen Elizabeth has never directly asked me for money. No. You know, I mean, she's taken money of mine, I'm sure. Yeah. I paid for her house. <laughs> um, you paid for... Yeah, you paid... Well, you paid the royal family. I don't know if Queen Elizabeth has... Maybe earlier on she took money is from Canada. I don't know. I don't know what... I don't know what... Just ex- for her gambling. I don't exactly what our, like... You know, if we, like, pay a ransom to England, you know, mm-hmm. as Canada, if we, like, have to put Gosh. together, like, a chest of gold to ship across... The Atlantic to England to placate the Queen. Bag of apples. Keep her from coming over here and beheading us or making us play chess, the giant sure, game of chess. Be. Things that queens do. As far as I know, this is an English queen thing. Must be weird playing chess if you're the queen because there's a piece called the queen. Sure. Or like if someone goes, I took the queen. You would take it very personally and you'd have a hard time sacrificing that piece, which you yeah. shouldn't do because it's such a powerful piece. But powerful. if you had to. Sometimes you have to. You have to if, surprise the yeah, person. Yeah. Uh, so the two questions uh, were... What's the weirdest phone call you've ever received? And what's the most awkward job you've ever had? Mm. Oh, there you go. Uh, first call, first caller, first uh, letter we have <laughs> is from the co-host of the Horse Mysteries podcast. <gasps> on hiatus currently. On hiatus. It's in the stable right now. Yep. But it'll be coming out uh, at some point. Uh, Lisa, who says, I won't bother with question number one since I avoid the phone at all costs. <laughs> that's, that's true. She is not. She is not. Well, she's married to someone who answers a landline. And will never be. With no call display. Who, so me? Yeah. I do. Ha- I have a filter, though, on my landline. Okay. So if someone calls my house, they have to dial a number in order to get through to me. Ah. So it doesn't it directly go to me. It it has a little filter. Okay. That has en- ended robocalls entirely to our house. It's a very nice feature. Very good. I recommend. I hardly recommend it if you have a landline. For question number two, if we were talking physically awkward... I'd have to, uh, I'd say when I used to uh, gallop racehorses, uh, I read a study that said jockeys and by extension exercise riders have to hold a static position longer than any other athlete, balancing on two little stirrups perched high up on top of the horse's back in a full crouch position for an extended period of time when you're covering ground at 40 miles per hour on a two-year-old horse. <laughs> awkward is just one of the words that, that describes that. But if you're talking socially awkward, mm. I'd say my very brief time spent as a census taker, where I had to go knock on strangers' doors, then get invited into their houses to ask fairly personal questions about them, religion, income, etc., then on to the next house to tell the neighbors all about it. Ah, just kidding. <laughs> Louise. Yay, it's Louise time. <laughs> uh, most awkward jobs is Louise. Quick change dresser for a one-man show by alternative comedian Frank Van Keeken at the Back Alley Theater. Frank Van Keeken, who we mentioned earlier in the show as Dave. Frank Van, sorry, Frank Van Keeken. We mentioned, we mentioned earlier in the show as 
As a member of the Kids in the Hall? Yes, and also the uh, creator of uh, The Head Crusher. That's true. Um, maybe it's not the weirdest phone call, but I uh, did... Uh, I think this means that Louise saw his bum. <laughs> um, uh, maybe it's not the weirdest phone call, but I did receive a strange and, in retrospect, tragic phone call in the early 1990s from an RS- RCMP officer. I took his name and number and called the RCMP switchboard to make sure he was legit. They said yes, so I called him back. He was investigating the disappearance of an 18-year-old from B.C. Mm-hmm. He uh, told me she had been on the same New Year's uh, Day flight I took from Vancouver to Halifax. He said I was seated in uh, in her uh, row, near her row on the plane, but I didn't remember seeing her on board or at the airport afterwards, so I was of no health help. <laughs> Apparently, the teen uh, phoned her family from the airport to say she was planning on checking into a hostel, and then she vanished. Sadly, her remains were found in some woods later that year. I looked up the case. It's still unsolved. There's a $150,000 reward for information leading to a conviction. And in an odd twist, the person who sold her the plane ticket was someone I knew. Back then, if someone uh, couldn't use a non-refundable ticket, you might sell it under the table. You didn't have to show ID for a domestic flight. Your gender would just uh, need to be the same as the name on the ticket. I always wondered if the teen hadn't bought the ticket for the flight, uh, would she have avoided running into her killer, or did she meet them at a place she was heading to anyway, and would the outcome have been the same? Hmm. That is uh, very interesting. I, I met Frank Van Keegan a couple times. He's, he seemed like a pretty intense guy. Yeah, he was wanting to be part, I think, of a, of a sketch group we were part of. Yeah, once. yeah, that's right. Um... He was intense. And he was also my boss on uh, Big Cable. Okay. Yeah, but nice fella. Not Big Um, Cable. Big Sound. Sorry, Big Sound. Big Cable was what he wanted to join. That was our sketch thing. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, Edward Dragansky writes, I received a call at Dr. Pepper once, and the caller left this long message for me on voicemail. I didn't know the guy, and I thought he might have been connected with someone. uh, I guess he thought he had uh, connected with someone he knew. I forgot his name, but he mentioned he was calling from Yakima, Washington, and went to this uh, long, one-sided conversation about how well the Seattle Seahawks were doing that season. <laughs> he went on about football, the Super Bowl, and more Seahawks stats for the entire message. He sounded like a really interesting guy. He left his number, and I might have called him back. Uh, I kept that message on my phone as long as I could and played it back just to listen to his enthusiasm when I needed to hear it. Too bad I knew nothing about the Seahawks. <laughs> So that's a very funny uh, town name. Yakima. 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 Kukamunga. <laughs> uh, my job I left uh, for Lone Star was a toy store called Toys by Roy in the same mall. <laughs> and uh, it was right next to Roy's or Us. Oh, yes. If you need to pick up a Roy. Yeah. That's where, that's you, where you go. That's where you get your Roy baddies from. Yeah. And I think our uh, number was one digit off from a nursery in town. I'd get calls all the time about how much uh, peat moss or mulch we had in stock. Mm. So I knew right away it was the wrong number. <laughs> I guess some callers don't really listen uh, to how you greet them. Uh, when you answer, I'd say, Toys by Roy, how may I help you? And they'd go right into asking me about potting soil. <laughs> uh, once I had some fun with a caller who was asking how much our bags of mulch cost, I gave him some outrageous price I knew it was really high, and he responded with, It can't be that expensive. Are you sure your mulch is that much per bag? I paused and whispered, Hey man, it's some really good shit. Then promptly hung up. Closest I've ever come to being a dealer. <laughs> uh, right out of college, I took on... That'd be interesting to have a, a store called uh, Really Good Shit that's just manure. <laughs> yep. Um, right out of college, I took on a freelance job with a company right here in McKinney, 
where I live now. The company was called Topro. He only works for rhyming companies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and back in 1990, McKinney was still uh, small, a good 45 minutes from Mesquite, where I lived. <laughs> the place made uh, towing equipment that could be attached to a normal car, which made it possible to tow another vehicle behind your car. These guys were trying to estimate calling tow trucks or third party when you had to tow a car, and they thought they were going to revolutionize the industry. They wanted me to create a mascot for them and design some promotional stuff using the mascot, but they also wanted me on site so they could uh, watch me do it in person. So I lugged all my art supplies up there and went to work. (laughs) The owner was a bit of an eccentric and blared Christian talk radio through the tiny cramped office. I remember him digging an old business card out of his wallet and asking me to design the Toe Pro logo. Oh, man, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. uh, To look just like the one on the card. So I did my best to make it uh, look just close enough without completely ripping it off. (laughs) I worked mostly with his assistant, who hated the owner, and insisted that the owner was trying to kill him with asbestos poisoning in the ceiling of his office. (laughs) This was was awkward, uh, as awkward as it got for me uh, (laughs) when it came to on-site freelance, most everything else I've done from home. Uh, My freelance relationships have uh, been mostly straightforward, even though I've done some crazy shit (laughs) over the years for so many clients. (laughs) Hey, Ian, uh, you got the Jim Hammond Human Torch Funko Pop? I did. Uh, was it the anniversary exclusive they did for Marvel's 80th? That's a good question. I will have to look that up. I saw a Submariner alongside the Human Torch, and I thought at the time, why don't they do an Invader set? I loved the Invaders as a kid. Why not do Cap and Bucky, Union Jack, Spitfire, the Wizard, and a little Toro to go with the Torch? Missed the opportunity to do a Dead Hitler Pop, too. Yes, that... Uh, that was a, that was a missed opportunity. Well, now, now you got me wondering <laughs> about that. Really, so I am going. How to, do they overlook that? I, completely. I am going to right now just look up if it was the uh, 80th uh, anniversary. Uh, that's what sure. I'm doing. It, and it happens like this, and it happens like this. Are you are you looking up the Funko Fuhrer? I am looking up the Funko Fuhrer. That's exactly what I am looking up. No, here we go. I could run upstairs and look at the box. <laughs> uh, you're right. Marvel's 80th first appearance of the Human Torch. Correct. I also got the uh, Fantastic Four Human Torch, and I put both of them on either side of my fireplace. Very nice. uh, I noticed you mentioned uh, everyone except for uh, Miss America, uh, who is the wizard's wife. And originally they thought mm-hmm. uh, the Scarlet Witch and uh, Pietro, uh, otherwise known as Quicksilver, mm-hmm. were the children of the wizard mm. and Miss America, which would make sense. The wizard was a fast-running fellow and oh, Quicksilver would have. I thought he was going to went to the bathroom. Uh, people have made that joke, and they made that joke on <laughs> Jessica Jones. Uh, but oh, then uh, Magneto claimed to be the father mm-hmm. of both of them, and now I'm not sure if he is anymore. But uh, that was the original idea. Um, sleep well, my fellow sneakers, and submit your questions for episode 550. Oh, we will get to that. Thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. I, I like that. I like that our our listeners are also, you know, telling, kind of helping us out with our. Our cry, our call, our ple- pledge, not pledge, please for more questions. Questions, questions, questions. Yeah, please, p- please pledge. Pledge, please. <laughs> yeah, there are, um, I was just looking like Captain America. There is a uh, Captain America with the old timey shield. So, yeah, that would work. You know, that's uh, absolutely So fine. they could just sort of re retro or kind of redo them into the. Yeah. Oh, they also have one. Uh, it's him at the end of uh, Spider-Man uh, giving the advice on the chair. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's my favorite <laughs> one now. But it costs $100, so it can go to hell. Okay. Chris Roberts writes, 
I took a phone call from a terrorist once. Oh, oh this, this shit just got real. Yeah. Uh, this was back in the 1990s when I was working as a press officer for Dundee University. The caller ad- identified himself as Joe Quinn, uh, who was the Scottish bureau chief for the Press Association. He said he wanted me to confirm a story he'd been told that one of the academic staff in the university's uh, politics department had received a parcel bomb in the mail that morning. Hmm. Now, something felt wrong from the start of the call. The guy sounded nervous and seemed to have trouble choosing his words, not like your average journalist, uh, let alone in the experienced reporter he claimed to be. The big reveal was, when I offered to check the story and call him back, he wouldn't leave his number and said he'd call me instead. (laughs) That's just not the way a real reporter would act. Realizing this could be very serious, I asked a colleague to alert the university mailroom while I looked up the actual Joe Quinn's details and rang him. He picked up straight away and, unsurprisingly, sounded nothing like the guy I'd been talking to. Mm. When it turned out, the mailroom had also received a mysterious phone call asking about a bomb. The next step was to call the police. And as I remember it, the main university building was quickly evacuated while police and bomb experts carried out a search. They found a suspicious package that turned out to be a hoax bomb and was ultimately traced back to an anti-English outfit calling themselves the Scottish National Liberation Army. (laughs) The group's leaders were later prosecuted and jailed after targeting politicians, other public figures, uh, mainly with other fake bombs, but also by sending parcels containing toxic chemicals disguised to look like cosmetics. Known to the media as the Tartan Terrorists, the Scottish National Liberation Army turned out to be a small bunch of bigots and sociopaths whose repellent views and actions failed to have any lasting impact. Uh, But the experience made me realize that terrorists don't actually have to be numerous or well-resourced to cause fear and disruption, and in the process, gain publicity for their cause. Sometimes the threat of danger is all that is required. Wow. Luckily, they were easily spotted, those terrorists, because they had a Scottish accent. Picked them up right away. Yeah. Like, oop, terrorists right here. Can't be easy for a group called the Tartan Terrorists when they go to prison. <laughs> well, and also endorsed by Trump. Weird that they got his endorsement. So good. Well, for I thought they're. I thought they were say endorsed by the Bay City Rollers. Yeah, Tartan Tartan Pride. Um, and they were arrested on a Saturday. 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 <laughs> Saturday. 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 Saturday night's yes. all right. Okay. <laughs> that's a different song, but anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. What is the Verite? I think you're doing T-U-R-D-O-I-N-E. Yeah, that's the, you're doing Fuck. you're doing the Elton John Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Shit. <laughs> that's a good okay. song. It's a good song too. It's okay. I went along with it. I feel is that all is that all the letters we have? That's all on the website. Wow, though, yeah. people are busy this time How of year. How about you, Dave? What do you say? What do you say do on this say, lovely day? Is there I any email today? What do you, you say? And the listeners to hear. And we got a we got a nice email from John Hallbrooks, who wrote Yay. to say his subject line is uh, something I like to say quite often is Hola. 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 Hello, gentlemen. Hello. I've been thinking that in weeks when I'm short of time, that I should let you know by some epistolary template. I'm thinking of something like an episode from Hilary Mantle's great novel. Excuse me, I have to take off my glasses when I'm reading. Sorry, everyone. Great novel. You're beautiful. (laughs) I know. Uh, An episode from Hilary Mantle's great novel, Wolf Hall, in which Thomas Cromwell is amused to receive his letters from his son Gregory, written in rudimentary Latin, which runs something like this in translation. Dear Father, I hope you are well. I am well. I hope that my mother is well. I hope that my sisters are well. I hope that the dog is well. 
And now, no more for lack of time. Your loving son, Gregory. <laughs> Here's my proposed equivalent. Dear gentlemen, I hope you're well. I am well. I hope that your wives are well. I hope that your families are well. I hope that your pets are well. I hope all sneakers are well. And now, no more, for lack of time, your loving listener, John. And with that, I wish you a good week. No, seriously, I did once have a series of phone calls in which an irate woman informed me that her toilet was clogged. Apparently, she thought I was the super and refused to believe me when I told her repeatedly that she had the wrong number. Mm. I guess the super also said that. The most awkward job I had was a brief gig selling kitchen knives during the summer between college and graduate school. I am not a natural salesman. My attitude was pretty much, buy these if you want, but you don't really need them. Be well. All sneakers. Everywhere. John. So thank you, John. He writes to us from the University of South Alabama. I thought it was going to be like, a boy in the well. (laughs) No. No. All right. That's all for this week, everyone. So let me throw this out as a question for... question. uh, What is your favorite comedy group? Okay. Yeah, okay. not a comedian group, comedy group team could yeah. be uh, could be like a, a two two person team could be a, could be could be a set of brothers could be a full cast of a season of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> could true. be whatever you want it to be. But who is mm. your favorite, uh, or you know, one of your favorite comedy groups? Okay, I like thanks. It. I like it. All right, how about yourself? Have you got something? Do I? I don't. Um, That's fine. We um... in the sink of the bathrooms full. What do you say, sorry, what? We in the sink of the bathroom's full. <laughs> um, let me just let me just think, everyone. This is going to get cut out because I'm going to be quiet now for a second. Okay, while you while oh, oh yeah yeah you you, you I'm going to uh, plug this. Sure. Uh, listen, every time we have an episode that ends in fifty, we do this odd little thing <laughs> where we ask you for questions, and here's how this goes down: you write in with questions, and for every question you write, you get a chance to win a valuable prize. What's the valuable prize? I don't know stuff but everyone gets uh, like a sticker and some other stuff and then you get some things and you can ask any question you can ask a question that's like a question about our lives you can ask a question about pop culture you can ask a question that's a scientific question whatever you want but we will answer every question that you send us and the more questions you ask the more chances you have to win these valuable prizes we will pick randomly at the end of the episode uh you know a name and often it is the same person and it seems really fixed it seems like a big <laughs> fix people have called out the whole thing is a scam will it be a scam uh will people call it out this time what's the big prize by the way dave what is the big prize well you will win you'll win a uh, custom sneaky dragon shirt there you go as you of your choosing yeah of your choosing you can look through our many many title cards or just through our t-shirt designs on the website. If you go to the website, there is a store there that has uh, our designs. You can mm-hmm. just choose from one of those simple designs. You can just get the logo for the show if you want. What the heck? Yeah. Um, you can also... Um, I mean, sorry, you also will win. Sorry, you can also. I'm still thinking of questions. Uh, you can also... Ah. You'll also win uh, a mug, a Sneaky Dragon mug with our logo on it. That's fun to drink from. Ah. And we'll send you some Canadian chocolate bars. Sure. We'll send you uh, a copy of the uh, sparks number three um future perfect we might uh, yeah i'll send you uh the mini comic that uh, my wife and i did up for uh this new van calf uh, this weekend uh, uh it's a little uh collection of mannequin on the moon 
There you go. Which and is my wife and I's uh, daily uh, web comic on gocomics.com. Cool. And I'll throw in a copy of uh, our collection of our gem comics, Where So Jar. Yeah, and uh, a horse. We'll send you a we'll live send horse. Send you a live horse as well. One live horse. You've got and a couple of horses. You'll right get there. some stickers and some buttons and yeah. some other, whatever I've got laying around. Yeah. I'll throw into the uh, box as well. If you and, want to be uh, shooed like a horse, Dave will do that as well. I will no longer do that, but I could trim you. Trim you like a horse. I did trim, I trimmed Harris this weekend. Oh, nice. Last weekend, yeah. On Saturday, or Sunday, actually, we went over and trimmed his feet, that cute little guy. And uh, the good news is, he didn't bite me. Oh. Bad news is, that means he doesn't love me. Oh. Because everyone knows that horses bite you because they love you, I think. Yay. That's my theory, anyway. So there you go. Um, oh, yeah, the question, yeah. which I had thought of and now I've forgotten, is, ah. um, what was something your family did together every summer that you look forward to? Ah, that's nice. Let us know the right. answer to that question. Inquiring minds want to know. So uh, answer those if you, if you feel like it. Uh, and here's how you do that. And this is also where you can send your questions for our uh, competition. And also, <laughs> you know, whatever. It is uh, go to um, uh, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. That's our email. Sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. If you feel like going on to Facebook, why not? Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, you can go there. And uh, we have a page. You can do that. Or you can go to our website, which is sneakydragon.com. Hey, there you go. It looks like someone sneaked up all the freaking uh, dot-coms, huh? Pretty good. Look at us. Uh, and you go to uh, wherever the episode is, and uh, then underneath there's a message board, and you just put things there. Yeah, you can do that. Just talk about anything if you want. It's your, it's your call. If you go to Twitter, we are Sneaky underscore Dragon on there, and we are Tumblr, SneakyDragon.tumblr.com. There we have it. If you do get this and you are in the uh, in time to come and see us at Van Calf, uh, David and I will be there uh, near the bathrooms. That's what I can tell you. We're near the bathrooms. So uh, come, come see us oh, wow. if you have to pee. And that is uh, the 21st uh, and 22nd. And uh, other days I'll be swimming in a pool that's nearby. <laughs> so come and see me uh, and I'll go. And don't look at me. I'm swimming. I'll be all sensitive like. Yeah, there you are. Sounds Anything good. else uh, there? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I've had a good day today. We had a, I had a short work day. Yeah. Had a p- barbecue at work. Nice. Had steak. Okay. Barbecue steak at work. And then I went to visit my mom and dad. Yeah. Then I went and had my back worked on. Okay. And then I uh, came here. Basically came here. Nice. I did make a little detour. but I'll Detour to pick up some uh, book plates. Pick up some book plates. Signed and- book plates ready to be signed by Ian and I. Now, our offer still exists for if you uh, want to have a signed book plate for your copy of Sparks, any of your Sparks books, Sparks, uh, Sparks Double Dog Dare or Sparks Future Perfect, uh, you can write us again at any of those um, uh, th- uh, things we told you about, especially SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com is the best. And uh, let us know your address and we will uh, send you one free O charge. Uh, <laughs> so you can put that into your book and go, ah. But if you send us a picture, then if you with that book, we go, ah, and then we feel good about ourselves. <laughs> your call um sure. thank you so much for spending some time with us we uh, very much appreciate it and we will do our darndest to be back next week at the same time here whenever you listen to the show is up to you it's your business uh but that's what it's like for us <laughs> so uh we will uh talk at you uh then uh, i've been ian i've been david all right stay loose bye stay tight bye gross Thank you.